This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's a it's a big thing coming. We can have, I can I do a story about that? Hold on, let's do this. Well, I mean, you can't. Let's do this first. Just smell okay. it. Tell me what you smell. And don't drink it. Just smell it. I smell America. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 30 of the Whiskey and Whitetails podcast. Today is Monday, July 19th, 2021. We have a special guest today, Adam from Grid Square Media. Say hello, Adam. Hello. We're going to learn all about Adam today and his company and kind of what we've been doing today and uh, all that. But before we get into it, we have this John J. Bowman Pioneer Spirit. So this is the Virginia Straight Bourbon Whiskey, and that is what this episode is powered by. It's a single barrel. It's a Sazerac. It's supposedly better than Blanton's, and we're going to find out today. <laughs> we're your hosts. I'm Matt. I'm Gus. And we're glad that you have joined us. And to all the new people that are here, thank you for coming. Thank you. A lot of you we've talked to at the uh, Charleston Market and We've had a lot of conversations. I've watched people subscribe right in front of us, and uh, we can see the numbers going up, and we're glad you're here. Feel free to go back to some of our previous episodes, and you'll figure out how we got off track. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to give this thing a pop. It is 100 proof, which I'm excited about. Ooh, Ooh nice. Not bad. Not bad. So very some- nice. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Microphone's kicking your ass. <laughs> Time for some gloves. Ooh, yeah, heavy pour. Pass it around the room. We should have done the guest first, but then again, that was rude of us. It's our show. It's okay. I appreciate it. There's going to be no easy way to do this, but let's do it around my mixer. Oh, sorry, the company's mixer, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. What? You mean you don't want to pass bourbon over? I'd really rather not. <laughs> 
It's funny it's between you and I. Electronic equipment. How much money is sitting between you and I? <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. It's a lot. It's a it's a lot. We got a mixer. We got a couple cameras. Nah, oh, you, mean, go wrong. you mean physically in, in the current space between you two? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, there's, I mean... Like if that ceiling fan fell, that we probably should have turned <laughs> off. That would be a painful... We're pushing uh, close to 10 grand, right? Yeah, that's what I think. Oh, easily. Easily. And that's why you need to help us out. Subscribe. Like our stuff. Leave a comment. It does a wonderful... It does great things. <laughs> it does wonders for us, I think is what he tried to say. Yeah, and it allows us to get new stuff. So we are actually recording this episode. We are at live at the Hunt Club in South Carolina. We had some good stuff going on this morning. But first, let's give this a smell. What do you think it smells like? Bourbon. I think it smells like distilled corn <laughs> that's been put in a barrel. That's what I think it smells like. So as you know, I'm sure you listened to a couple episodes Licorice. to prepare for this. We don't really get into uh, that. We may get some, t- if there's notes that stand out, but this is 100% what bourbon smells like. I don't know. Yeah. I think it smells like caramel. There you go. Do there it. You go. What yeah. else? I get uh, the first thing that came to mind was a red licorice, like a, like a cherry almost. Yeah, I could do that. Candy. Yeah. It's good, though. I, I got a it. cherry bomb sitting on the floor that we're going to have later, but there's a specific way to drink it. Thing. All right. I'm going to taste nice. this thing. The hype was real. That's good. That is real good. Oh, my goodness. What where, do you think, Gus? Where did you get this? I think... I, I found it in a store, and there was like 30 bottles of it. And I just like, I had apprehensions. I better not buy this. But everybody kept Especially telling me to buy it. sitting there with that many bottles. Yeah. Holy cow. That is good. That I is need, one I need of the most, some of that now. That is one of the most complex flavor profiles I've ever had in a bourbon. Absolutely. Yep. It goes, um, well, the finish is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one, what, 100 proof? 100 proof. So you know that the 100 proof, right yep. around 100 is, where I, is my preference. Um, and this is why, because you don't get a ton of ethanol. In, in my opinion, it's just the way my palate is. <clears throat> I get the most flavors out of a whiskey when it's around 100 proof. It's not to say that I don't like high proof stuff. It just I feel like I get more of the flavors out of when when I'm yeah my, when my palate is not bombarded by doesn't burn as the much alcohol. Mm-hmm. This man is delicious. This is something else. I think the hype was right. I would 100 percent take this over uh, Blanton's any day of the week. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that I was told is that people prefer this over Blanton's, which I, there's a lot of whiskeys I prefer over Blanton's. True. Um, but I think a lot of people prefer Blanton's just because it's not Blanton's, right? It's a, you know, the same reason people stop or say they don't like something because a bunch of other people like it. So it's yeah. cool to say you don't like it. I don't think it's, I mean, I get a lot of I don't shit think that's, that. I don't think that's what this is, though, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I should have done more research. I'm actually going to grab the bottle again and look at the back of it. Well, I think, too, you know, everybody knows what Blanton's tastes like. Yeah. Everybody knows Blanton's is delicious. Yeah, but it's good. You want to find something that's a little bit different, has a little bit different profile, but some maybe some of the same, you know, characteristics that you would get from Blanton's. But. Yeah. So, single barrel, copper distilled, John J. Bowman, Pioneer Spirit, Virginia, straight bourbon whiskey. Single barrel, says it again. Uh, on the back, early pioneer, colonel, Colonel John J. Bowman. Oh, by the way, never mind, I'll get to that. Colonel John J. Bowman first explored Kentucky in 1775. It's just a made-up story. I mean, it could be, you know, that's my grandpa. Okay, whatever. 
This single barrel bourbon whiskey commemorates the early pioneer John J. Bowman. So just so you know, the distillery is the A. Smith, I think, Bowman Distillery. Okay. And they, I guess they named them after a bunch of people. So like this one's oh. John J. There's other Bowmans. Gotcha. Well, that's fancy. This is delicious. So I have a gift for Gus, and I'm going to get straight into it. Okay. And there's a there's a button for this gift, Gus. Is there? Yeah. Well, you you'll know what it is when you when you see the gift. All right. Everybody ready for the gift? Do you want me to press the button? <gasps> is that ours? Yes, that is Whiskey and Whitetails. That's Grunt our prototype? Tube. Yeah, that's our prototype. Dude, you didn't tell me. So it's actually a beer, beer, beer moment. Yeah. I misread that. Sorry. It's I all good. <laughs> it's all good. It was still kind of appropriate. Yeah, it was an appropriate sound. Yeah, that is the Whiskey and Whitetails Bourbon Barrel Grunt Tube. Yeah. So for those just listening, I was doing it out of a paper bag, so I couldn't cup the bottom, but yeah. Dude, that's... Uh, what do you think? That's cool, man. I'm excited about it. You like it. that brass ring? Yeah, that's really nice, actually. It's a good It's a good look to it. So I think you did a really good job, and this was the same feller that makes our uh, turkey calls Jacob. Yep. JSW Woolworks. He uh, cranked this out for us, and he's a great dude. And our price point is going to be around, it's going to be $50 or less. That's reasonable. And I this think is, it's a great is, price for a custom-made piece. This is great to bring and actually finally have another another uh, another piece to add to our, our line of whitetail-related stuff. Correct. Um, that's been a little bit of a challenge just because there's only so much you can do for a, for a hunter with a whiskey barrel. Yeah. Uh, game calls are an obvious choice, and we this was at the forefront of our ideas when we started this company. Uh, the turkey calls were easier, I think, up front because – uh, Jacob had a lot of experience with that already. Right. Um, this is a new thing for him. He actually sent me a video because I was like, don't tell Gus anything. Don't post anything online. So he sent me a video of it. And he's like, I don't know. Because like, he's never, you know, yeah. but uh, he would make it, he was blown into it. And he's like, I, I mean, I guess that's, that's what it sounds like. Because he does, he's not a, a white tail hunter. <laughs> it's, I think it sounds good, man. I think it does too. At, at least it's a good place to start and we can get feedback from people and figure yeah. out if, if we I think need to make great. adjustments, how to do that. What did he, um, is this from the lid? Yeah. So he took the lid. Yeah. Um, so those li- the reason I needed more lids from you, that's why. Got it. Did so it's he, the uh, long piece is a lid. So it's, it's a, I, I don't know if that's, I didn't really look at it that closely, honestly. I just got it yesterday. But Cool, man. But you've been talking about this surprise for a while. You knew you were going to have it by yeah, today? I didn't. I just hoped. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. I'm excited, man. Good um, guess. What do you think? How do you think it looks? I like it. I think uh, anytime you have a wood call, you know, I, I have more of a waterfall background. Right. You know, and you get a lot of those real nice wood calls, hedge calls, that kind of thing. You know, but a call like that looks just as good on a shelf as it does. You know, even if they don't hunt as much anymore, they don't use it. It still looks good with right. all their yeah. all their mounts or, yeah. you know, in their man cave or whatever. It's something that's like a really cool collector's piece as well. That's it, one thing we've been told about our turkey calls at the market. People are like, I would feel bad using this. And well, I'm like, don't, man, because yeah. that's why they're priced the way they're priced. We want you yeah, to use exactly. it. It's not a $300 call. It's an $80 or $90 call, depending on the mood I'm in for the price. But. <laughs> yeah. I think 
it to to your point, I think it it checks a number of boxes that it, it's functional if if somebody really wants to use it. But people who appreciate calls for what they are can can purchase this and display it or if they want or use it if they want and not feel bad one way or another because the price point is not overly priced. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's also it's cool to be able to say, yeah, I got this trick call and it's turned from whiskey barrel lids. Right. Uh, you know, and I don't want to use it because it's it's special or it's cool. You know, I want to put it on a display. You can if that's your your thing. But we you definitely made it to be used. Definitely <laughs> throw this in your bag and use it. Yeah. Um, and the the black piece comes off if you just pull it. Oops, not that far. Maybe the the wrong black. Yeah, the end. There you go. That was what I was talking about. But the that band is adjustable, so yes. you can change it. Um, so you can get different sounds. Yeah. Yeah. So you just roll the. Yeah, you roll the band. Yep. Yep. Huh. But yeah, we've been Live talking about this folks. for a while, and uh, I'm so glad that it's here to end the nick of time. So thanks to Jacob for getting yeah, that. Yeah, thank you, man. This is awesome. Uh, which end goes on? Was watching me struggle. Yeah, first time playing with a new toy. So now that you have a your own call, you need to sound sample it. Yeah, record a sound sample for uh, your mixer. That's right. Yeah, that's cool. a definitely. Um, we should I'll definitely. Have to, to play that's around a great with idea. Different different, uh, the different notches and exactly. figure out. Because I want to name them. That's one of the reasons they're not going to be on the website when this comes out. But we want to name each notch and tell you, like, this is for, you know, an angry buck. This is for a mating buck. It may, it may even get down to doe bleats. I don't, I don't know. I didn't play that's with that That's what I was much. playing. That's so why I was trying to make yeah. it lighter. It, um, the next, there's, there's another notch that I didn't go to further down I think would be perfect for that. Yeah. But that's the plan. So that's the prototype. Um, it, sh- it will be ready by August 15th, which is the South Carolina hunting season. But, um, is he working on more? You know, I'm. Uh, I think we're gonna have ten to start, and I I owe him a bunch of wood. So I got that's that's a, that's that's a dope lead. Yeah. Yep. Nice. So it does. I figured that it would. That is cool, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I like it. It's um, it's cool, and I think he did a really good job putting it together because I could be wrong. It's hard to tell because it was turned and the grains match, but I think I see a line here. So I think it's actually two pieces of wood. Even still, I, mean, I don't know. I've, I've I don't know that lids are that thick. If they are, then this is the top of the. This is the bottom. Yeah, it's, as, top. it's as thick as it gets. I think yeah. it's probably two pieces because I don't see a char. If I had to guess, I bet he stuck them together first and then turned it. Yeah, like yeah, that. I do see. Yeah, there's a seam on both sides. I see. Yeah, it now. But, which is fine. I mean, I've seen him glue uh, stuff together cares? and work he, the way he works with epoxy and yeah, other yeah. Uh, and other yeah. stuff. He's oh, it's definitely not going to break. Um, unbelievably talented. But yeah. And the band will help keep it together too. That yeah, bra- that brass that band is, will keep it keep it locked in. It's super nice, but the the just the looking at it because it's quarter sawn wood. I'll let you. I'll like throw that. it to you so you can so you can see the lines on the wood. It's just beautiful woodmanship. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're beautiful calls. Everything he makes for us is top yeah, notch. That is really nice. Yeah, tight. Um, Very nice. Thanks, man. That was a cool surprise. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad. I so uh, I mean I did it for the. I, did it for the video. Let me see. I'm, let me go through my notes before we get into anything fun because I know I wrote a ton we'll, this week. We'll take some cool pictures of it later. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. We'll, All right. we'll do it for the gram. <laughs> code. Oh, that. Okay. So the podcast code use. Y'all killed it. 
we are um we told you last week that it was the it you know that it needed to be used and uh that's spotify not shopify let me go in there and <laughs> one of those fis let's see products store store discounts discount codes and podcast so we got uh a few used in there and so thank you all for that uh this week is shark week it is shark week shark yeah. week mm-hmm. we watched um we got a discovery <laughs> plus the trial yeah because it's free for a week you know yeah. so i told, uh, <laughs> told the wife to try i was it. like <laughs> crush it tonight you know because we'll be gone all day today i was like crush shark week today so i can cancel it tomorrow and, and get it all for free but uh the jackass guys Yep. Did an episode. I heard that someone got yeah he got jacked up yeah he got yeah, bit he got bit up yeah uh, who was it? His name is um, Dookie or something yeah poopy something, poopy something like that yeah. something like that he's a new uh, guy new okay. guy yeah all the old guys are like yeah we're still gonna do this thing but yeah uh, we're, we're gonna, not gonna we're not doing it like <laughs> yeah so he he was jumping a uh, a ramp like on a wakeboard with sharks everywhere and when he fell on the water coming off the ramp that's when he got bit. But they were taken away in the boat, like all he had a tourniquet and everything on him, and uh, he was like, he was like, I better get a raise for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was uh, our family is like really big into Shark Week, so like come Sunday, like my daughters were both like, it's Shark Week, nice, yeah, and so we've been watching it all week, and um, there's some really good episodes this year. There was like one with uh, Brad Paisley and uh, was it JB Smoove? I haven't and, seen uh, that one. There's one with uh, Doctor Pimple Popper is on there. Oh yeah, yeah. For Shark Week, yeah. It was wild. It was pretty interesting. Like they had like this ball that was supposed to be like a cyst, I guess, oh, and gross. it was like filled with chum, chum, chum guts. Yeah. So they like popped the pimple and like Ugh. and like it oozed out like into the water. It was pretty crazy. People like that, and that's one of those things when we talk about people like people like they like it because they think it's cool to like it because no yeah. one else does. I do not like that pimple popper. I just don't like it. I think it's disgusting. I don't I don't know why you would want that in your head. So I think, like for me it's one of those things where you know you watch it but you can't can't look away. You yeah. know, it's yeah. like there's times that my wife wants to watch it and I'm just like, ah, I just don't want to. And then nah. she puts it on and I'm like, Oh my gosh, did you see that? Yeah. He already forgot he's on camera. <clears throat> yeah, I did, sorry. <laughs> Dude, this is bad. This is gonna get take getting a lot of getting used to. <laughs> I know. It's over there browsing the internet. All right. One thing I, I noticed, because I, I wrote these notes, one thing I noticed is Steve Irwin, his kids have shows yep. now. Mm-hmm. I realized that they had a show now, yeah. and I, I started watching it, and I forgot. This, there's some, this is something that I, I picked up on, because you know how I love land? Uh, you know how I love things that existed from other places that we have here and we call American or whatever? Mm-hmm. So, like, reckon, I reckon, you know, that, that word is a southern term that's used... All the time. Sure. Oh, and yeah. like all my, my whole family says it. I used to say, I don't say it no more, but I don't say it no more. But the reckon, so his, his Steve Irwin used to say reckon all the time. And I kind of forgot about that. So I, I ended up doing, a, uh, we're watching Shark Week and the wife's like, Will you, are you going to pay, pay attention? I'm like, I can't. I got to figure out where the word reckon came from. So it is a British word. <laughs> it's not a Southern word. And that, and that's why like this, the uh, former prisoners of Australia that's why they all say it because it's it's from Britain. It's not a. It's Makes not sense. a. You just shattered everything about my childhood. I know, isn't that terrible? Because I'm from I'm from a place yeah. where everyone says I reckon and oh, all the time. That's a British word. It has nothing to do with the South. Huh. Who who can I piss off this week? Appalachia or Appalachia? 
Yeah. Oh, speaking of that. <laughs> yes. I'm going to continue to say it wrong, and you're either in on the joke or you're not. And for the people correcting me, I'm not even going to, I don't even respond to it. So, Sniper's Unknown Challenge. We have six millimeter, and we still need six and one half Creedmoor. I'm going to keep getting it worse, okay? Because nobody's picking up on the, I mean, you know how many people hit me up and like, it's 6'5", dumbass. <sighs> we know, but it's fun to piss you off. Yeah, six and a half is funny to me. Six and a half Creedmoor makes me laugh. So now I'm going to say six and one half Creedmoor. That's what we need. So six mil has been figured out. Nine mil, we're pretty close to figuring out. So if, if anyone has six and one half Creedmoor, one we need about 140 rounds is what we need. We need the Creedmoor that is one half less. So, seven. Yeah. So Gun Monkey came through. Gun Monkey hooked us up with um, six mil. They got 140 rounds for us coming. Nice. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, y'all. Josh hit me up and uh, I, I was late to respond. He said he got a hold of you, though. Yeah, he called me and I actually did a, a call with him and, and our snapper and they talked and, and figured it out. Good. Good deal. And then, uh, let me see. I think that was kind of it for. Do you think uh, Steve Irwin's kids would swim with stingrays? Fuck. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. That was the last uh, thing I wrote down, so uh, we're caught up. <laughs> Yikes. Probably. I think they would. I think they would, too, honestly. I don't, I don't think they would. I, don't, I think they would. That was a freak thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, I don't know. So today. <laughs> they, fuck, they mess around with alligators and crocodiles, yeah, exactly. I mean, so I think they'd be fine with so elevator pitch, a hundred and forty-five characters, words, one hundred and forty-five words. That's the elevator pitch, right? Is it? It's under one hundred and fifty. It's 30, a, a elevator 30, pitch. 30 is, is like yeah, it's supposed to be yeah, like thirty, 30 seconds. seconds or less than two minutes or something. Give like everyone. That. We'll get into it, but I want to. I want to explain why you're here because I'm sure people are like, who's this guy? Are they, I know that they're thinking that. So we'll get into so thirty-second elevator pitch, and then we're going to talk about what we've done so far today, and then we're going to get into the weeds with you so elevator pitch me so as of yesterday we officially rebranded from what most people on social media have known me as grid square photography we switched over to grid square media and what what really that is is we're a digital media content production company that's focused on outdoor individuals brands organizations um generally in the smaller to mid-size um company brand whatever um, trying to help them bridge the gap for pushing into that next level, that next, you know, giving them better product photography or helping them build video content for social media, whatever they need, you know, where they can't afford like the budget for, you know, a bigger production company and helping them bridge that gap to break into the next level. Then they can afford to right. go to that bigger company that can take them to even further. Sure. Um, so, like I said, you know, going into like product photography, um, helping people with that, looking at little short videos, commercials, um, short documentaries, mini films, kind of thing. Uh, a lot of the stuff like we were doing today, like you said, we'll get into. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, most people had known me as just the gun dog photography guy, and I wanted to kind of branch away from that, you know, and that was what was most accessible but it wasn't necessarily all that I did, you sure. know? So, so 
So we have a bit, the reason we connected, how, do you remember when we first talked? I don't even know. Do we meet through somebody or was it just random? No, it was, uh, I think you posted something on your story about the Ronin. Um, That's what it was, yeah. yeah and and then, then you hit me up about it, about yeah, the, eagle, the Raven yep. Eye. Yeah. yeah, and then that whole thing went off and then we just kept talking about other stuff. And Yep. So the Raven Eye, for those that don't know, it, we use that on our, we're going to be using it more now, um, but we had the Ronin gimbal set up for our cameras and um, the raven eye allows you to do active track which is really nice we, we you'll see in some of the videos um but we it was something that i wanted to do for a while and i just gus knows i, I just didn't know enough about it and you kind of set me straight on that so our third business partner um i don't know that he wants his name out but he is like a vision guy and so he always says things like i have a i have a pin board and i see people and i see people not how many followers you have, not any of that, but like people and their skill set. And he was like, I take them and I put them on my pin board and one day I'll fit them into my thing. So I love that idea. And Gus and I do that with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that we associate with, it's, it's kind of that thing. Um, so you were, I liked you. I just did. So you went on the pin board and I was like, where can we use this guy? And then when you start talking about video stuff and you want to do what your story is, that's how we started three years ago in another company. We just started filming Cheaper budget films for people. Um, we did a lot of stuff for free just to kind of make connections, which is what, how you get a start. And uh, now we're just getting too busy. We just can't, like, we have people that want to do stuff for us and or they want us to do stuff for them. And we just uh, have other things going on. So we need someone. You're not starting out, but you're starting out as a new rebrand, as full media, not just photography. So one of the things that we wanted was to bring you on board and have you help of help us with some stuff. So you're going to be like part of the, you have your own company and thing, you're, but you're going to be part of like the team for us. And we're going to give you some of the work that we just are not going to be able to do. Right. And um, one of them is a, is a pheasant or a quail hunt, not pheasant. Quail. Um, it's a quail yeah. hunt that we wanted to film. Um, we've been to this guy's property several times. He's a good dude. His name's Ty Holland. And uh, he's in upstate and his huge quail hunt that he's doing this year is the same weekend as the snipers unknown challenge. So like, you know, I, I've pitched it to him, and he's like, let's see what he can make. And so, like, part of your video that you're making today, the reason you're out here today, you're helping us film some stuff, and you're doing some stuff on your own. You're going to make a little video for, you know, new rebirth, getting rid of the old and into the new. Yep. And so we tore a stand down today and uh, put up a new one. And that's why we wanted you to have you on here because that's, I wanted to tell you all that I've given you like beat around the bush a little bit on yeah. it, but what it is is we want to bring you in and have you help us. We, we think we can yeah. feed you some work and you're local to us. And, and a lot of our work is, is local to South Carolina. Absolutely. So well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I'd be happy to like, I'm, that's what I'm here for. Like what well, serves help it, build everybody, you know, everybody helps each other. You know, exactly. And that's, that's what it kind of boils down to is that we, we've built relationships with people that we want to continue to, be friends with and be helpful. Even if we don't have the bandwidth to necessarily do their, their video production. Right. Um, if we have a close contact who we're comfortable with like yourself that we can hand that off to and say, Hey, you know what? We can't for whatever reason. Uh, but we have a close partner who might be available to do that for you. And we trust him as if it, as if it was our own, um, our own work. And that helps that helps you, it helps us, and it helps Absolutely. all of us maintain those relationships so that they don't die off and or, or you know, end with any sort of... Uh, 
you can kill that bad blood or, or malice because suddenly we're not available. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it it serves a lot of purpose, and I think it's I think it's good for everybody at the end of the day. Yeah. So this this bottle, just to, real quick, so we can keep on this bottle is Midwinter's Nice Dram, one of my favorite. It's delicious. Um, rise, it's unbelievably good. So uh, this is this we're killing off this bottle here, but I wanted to do this before we cut the cut the cut the promo clip. But um, yes. So cheers and welcome cheers. to the Appreciate family. It. We're glad that you're here, man. Absolutely, and, thanks, guys. Um, we're gonna do a lot of good stuff together, and, and we're just cutting the video for right now. Um, we're gonna continue the podcast, bro. Yeah, I mean for sure. We got like yeah. another hour. We gotta talk about. Yeah. But. But yeah, so cheers, man. Welcome to the company. And Absolutely, uh, thanks. we're excited to work together, dude. Absolutely, me too. Agreed. Give that a smell. Cheers. Smell first. Mm. This is completely different from what we just had. So, Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. This is a, a very sought-after bottle. Um, mm. I, was, I was looking for something that was good, and then I saw there wasn't that much left in there, and I was like, that's about three people. We, oh, should, yeah. we should finish that. Boom, done. So I love it. It's a rye, you know. It's got some spice to it, but it's oh, um, really good. completely different flavor profile from what oh, we yeah. just had. But it's delicious. delicious. And I, what is that um, act? Act and scene. I can't remember. Uh, it's Act Eight, Scene Five. There we go. So I have one more at the house of that. Ninety-eight point six proof. It's good stuff. Delicious. So today, um, we did. Uh, so we worked the nightmare. I worked. I. Myself and my wife were at the night market last night, and um, it, in. it was fine. But I gotta, I gotta shout this dude out, and I already forgot his name, and I feel bad about that. But I don't, I don't know if, if he listens to podcasts. But so when we got accepted to the night market, many people say stuff to us, and they're like, uh, "Like one of the group chats where I'm like, hey, do they, do they sell whiskey inspired apparel? Because I'm thinking about starting a, a whiskey apparel company. I'll come in there and sell shirts and hats." And I was like. Well, no, because you can't. They're not going to let you. They're very picky about who they let in there. Yes. So how many companies did they let in this year? Eight or nine? It was eight, I think, eight or nine. It was less than ten, and that was, I think, it was like out of 70-something applicants. I thought it was closer to 100. I thought it was in the 80s or 90s. So like 80 or 90 people tried to get in. They let less than 10 in. Holy cow. Um, So us getting in isn't just like... You know, it's not like it's not a regular farmers market where anyone can just go set up. It's the yeah. Charleston Historic Downtown Market. So we were one of eight companies that got let in out of the entire year, and um, yeah, it's not some outdoor show where you just pay your money and get yeah, your booth. That's not yeah, it, not at all. And so, which was cool about it is that they guarantee that no one's going to sell your stuff. Like you would be the only one doing that. So if you walk through, there's a few photography things, but like as far as bourbon barrel goes. We were the only ones. And then one guy tried out with us and got accepted. So this one guy, he makes stuff for Hall's Chop House and, like, other places. Yeah, makes whiskey barrel that. flights and stuff like that for them. That makes sense why his stuff has the look it does. Yes. And so I talked to him about how he made it, and we'll get into that, uh, you know, not on here. But so he was selling his version of a cocktail smoker, which was basically, like, several pieces of whiskey barrel glued together and then shaved down to just bare wood. And then it had a glass dome. So you would burn the, you would put your drink in, burn the uh, actual, like a 
six or eight inch wide stave and then put a glass over it and smoke the cocktail, whatever. But he also had uh, chips and they mm-hmm. used including yep. and he had a bunch of stuff that was not what we're doing at all, but very close. Right. And so we immediately were like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we can't believe they let him in here. You know, we're the only ones doing this and now there's two of it. So anyway, we walked by the first night and kind of checked his stuff out and it's totally different. It's com- nothing compared to what we're, I mean, I'm not saying compared. It's, they it's look different. It's different. It's just different. Yeah. So last night I was standing there talking to a couple of this following. So sh- uh, shout out to you. I don't want to say your name in case you don't want me to do that, but I was talking to you and we were having a good conversation and there was a guy standing next to us. And the whole time we're talking and you were like, I could stand here. She was his wife. She's like, I could stand here and talk to you all night. She didn't want to go away. Cause I'm just giving her all this knowledge because we teach whiskey classes and stuff. And, uh, and she's like, it's just so information. So anyway, this guy, so he walks up and he's like, I just had to meet you and sticks his hand out. And I'm thinking, cause we have been approached several times by just people that know yeah. us from Instagram and, yeah. and uh, just come up and they just want to shake our hand and which is awesome. We love that. It's super cool feeling, but so I'm like, sure. So I re- shake his hand and he's like, I'm the guy selling the other whiskey barrel stuff. And I was like, ah, great. Oh, Hey, so now you're you? here interrupting me from selling stuff to people. You know, I got a little irritated cause that's just who I am. It's that, it's that veteran in me, but Oh yeah. I know. He, it. I know yeah, it well. Yeah. But he goes, Hey, I just want you to know that everything you're doing I'm stopping. I'm not going to sell cocktail smokers. I'm not going to sell flights. I'm not going to sell anything that you're selling. I'm going to make other stuff. And I was like, dude. Oh, wow. That's legit. That is that is unbelievable. Like I told Gus earlier. Look at him. Sorry, man. We have some other stuff going on. I know you do. But I told Gus earlier, and he was like, no way. He really said that? I'm like, yeah, dude. He, he 100% wants to uh, let us be successful. And so he's not going to infringe on us at all. That's awesome. That's crazy, man. It's super cool. But it is very cool, yeah. Rare today. <laughs> yeah. Let's be yeah, real. That's that's true. You know, everybody's usually out for themselves instead of like working with each other. Right. Collaboration. Well, it's just and also from someone who's who who's also a um a craftsman, if you will, um to willingly sort of make way, if you will. Yeah. Um is very is very cool. And that's, uh, I think, because he was standing there listening to me talk, and he was like, dude, that's the thing is the story. He's like, you guys have the story. He's like, I'm just a guy that makes stuff. He's like, my, my story is, he told me a story, and it's a good story, but it's not, like, it's just his thing he does on the side, where, like, what we're doing is a, it's a thing. Like, it has a story. And, that, and that's what we get told constantly in the night market. People are just like, I just love the story. It's super cool. Like, what yeah. you doing? Anyway, did that last night. Got up early. Met you at the gas station at 8 a.m. Came out here, ripped down a stand, did some weed whacking. He did some filming. Tell us a little bit about the vision of what you think that video is going to look like. So, we've still got some shots, obviously, that we'll do later. But mm-hmm. my my vision in my head is, you know, drone shots of trucks coming into the the gate. You know, the gate shots we took this morning, mm-hmm. and then kind of you 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 have to shape the location before you introduce your characters, right? Sure. And so, um, you know, shaping that beforehand, and then it kind of goes into um, one of the things that I want to work with in my business is, is, is chapters, right? You, every, every life is a book kind of thing. Think of it like that. And so all, like you were talking about stories, like I want to tell all these people's different stories, whether, you know, it's a small call maker, 
a you know whiskey and whitetails obviously the you know the the dog kennel you know retriever trainer down the road i want to tell those stories as separate chapters in that book and you know this will be kind of the preface so you know we were talking about you know out with the old and with the new and that's what that that vision and the overall theme of this will be is like kind of you know once we get into that initial set in the location, introducing the characters, and then it'll kind of flow into that whole out with the old and with the new, a new season. And, mm-hmm. you know, for all of us that are outdoorsmen of any type, it's 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 almost like a sacred tradition yeah. every year whenever you, yeah. you kind of shelve those memories from the previous season to make room for the new ones. Right, yeah. And, you know, I think that's something that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And yeah. So, obviously, getting a lot of those shots and kind of, you know, the mundane things that people don't think about, you know, getting the the whole story. Because, like, you guys talk about on the podcast, oh, well, we did some work at the at the, the camp this weekend or whatever. And, you know, some listeners are not going to think about that with all the work that goes into it. Yeah, or putting sure. a stand up, cutting down trees, or, you know, trimming uh, trails and everything, you know, people don't think about that. And that's the stuff that I want to try and capture. And it's capturing the whole story, not just the end result. You know, so many people nowadays that are so used to seeing just the end result and that's what they want. They right. don't, they don't understand the process. Right. And just like with whiskey, you know, it's not, you know, Hey, let's, uh, put all these ingredients together on day one. And then, you know, Five minutes later, hey, we've got a bottle of whiskey. You know, it's a process. <laughs> sure. It's, you know, everything down to the mashing process, distilling everything, all that together, you know, is a drawn-out process, just yeah. like preparing for a season. And those are the things I want to try and capture in this quote-unquote preface, mm-hmm. um, both for me personally with my company sure. and the transition that we're making, um, you know, this being kind of the preface of, stepping into a new chapter and introducing kind of what that vision for the other chapters is going to be, you know, and I think that's, that's really the vision that I have for it is kind of taking all those individual little things that people don't think about mashing it into this 30 second little clip Mm -hmm. that tells that story. Right. And that's, one of the things when uh, I remember what it was now when I was telling you earlier that I had a recap to do, I was listening to one of the older episodes because I like to go through and kind of listen to what we said in the beginning, like the first 10 or so episodes and, and yeah. kind of refocus. But um, one of the things I was talking about was the that day we were at your house and we went to, um, we came here and did a duck hunt mm-hmm. and then we went to get coffee that morning and then we did a podcast. Yep. Yeah. So we were talking about filming stuff, and, and I don't know if I mentioned in there or not that we were going to make our first TikTok, and and I've never brought that up. But, yeah, we made our first TikTok that day, and I wanted to shoot it from the aspect of behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So instead of a bar video where we're using the product, we, we gave away how we made it, <clears throat> which was probably stupid because now there's people ripping us off on Etsy. I mean, word for word, they copy and paste our stuff, and, and it's, you know, it, is, it means you're doing it right, you know. Yeah. But I wanted to follow up on that yet. The... uh the remake that we did and we posted it on TikTok. So as of right now, 338.2 thousand views, 338,000 views on, on that video. And and that's exactly what you're talking about is the, how it's done because a lot of people see the finished product yep. and uh, they don't get to see 
you got to see the whole thing today. You're not a big whitetail hunter. Have you, have you been whitetail hunting before? I've been. I've never, you know, I've never actually got my own buck or deer at yeah, all. Yeah. I've been a couple of times, mostly just been a friend being like, hey, just go sit up here, and if you see yeah. it, shoot it. But <laughs> and, now you know what's behind it. Right, the, exactly. The scouting the spot, the and, cutting and just, trees. Right. Weed whacking, putting up a stand. I mean, that stand, We while we were, you were filming it, what did I say about the stand? What did I say people were going to say? <laughs> oh. <laughs> These dumbasses. <Yeah. laughs> These idiots, because we were doing it the incorrect way. There's yeah. a right way and a wrong way, and there's the way that works the way I've always done it. But yeah. we're getting older. We probably shouldn't be doing it that way. But Yeah. But, you know. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, like, done. you know, I've I've had a general understanding of, of it. You know, I've I've had... A bunch of friends that have been big white white tail hunters yeah. and um i just personally never really got into it and yeah you know i'm sure i will now that you know i know you guys you know i you i'm one of those people like i don't unless i'm comfortable with people like i don't let them like teach me stuff like, yeah, I, like yeah, to, yeah. I like to teach myself a lot of stuff but sure. like you know teaching yourself how to shoot a bow like i can teach myself that but like the little nuances of you know, like you were talking about scouting and, yeah. and, and all that, like that's the kind of stuff that having somebody that's not going to be like, you're a freaking idiot. Like, why are you, why don't you know that? Like, Do you think I that's an army thing? The way they trained us in the army, they're like, you're stupid. You'll never be oh, worth yeah, anything. Guaranteed. Cause I'm the same way. I don't like it either. Oh, it's like, just, I want you to show me some stuff with, cause I, I use final cut or uh, premiere pro a little bit, but I use something, I use other, I use a bunch of different things to make videos because I don't know how to use any of them fluidly. Yeah. And it's dude, like I want you to show me stuff, but at the same time, like I don't want him to think I'm an idiot because I don't yeah. know how to use Adobe. Dude, I'm I'm not I'm not that like I'm not like some super saiyan at it. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean, it's one of those things. Like if I come and I I'm a very visual person, so like sitting there watching a video, learning from a video or something is super annoying to me. Like I'd rather like creatively say, "Oh, this would be a cool shot," and then like YouTube, figure out how YouTube it, it and figure it out. Yeah, you know. Um, like that shot that we were that we took today um, that you guys will see. I'm not going to go into detail about it, but the shot with the spider that we did, like that was something that I had thought about before, not necessarily with that situation, but something where it's focused on another another subject, and then we rack focus over to you know you guys doing trimming or whatever. You know, I YouTubed that before. Like, okay, what do I need to do to set that up? Yeah, you know, and make it look right. And obviously, if you have a, a good camera, it helps because that autofocus—if you have something that has a good autofocus—it's fairly easy. You know, you just set it the focus on the initial subject, and then you just move the camera to what you want it to. It racks focus automatically. But yeah. there's there's those little things though that I mean, you kind of just try stuff out, and yeah. you find what you like. And um, do you? So before you got into photography and videography, like obviously you haven't done this forever, right? Um, I guess what you know what's what's a little bit of your background, I guess, and yeah, then sure. what what inspired you to get into whatever that was and, and transition to this? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll give you kind of like my my other elevator pitch. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> you uh, my my personal elevator pitch. Like, so I, I'm South Carolina native. I grew up uh, up by uh, Sumter, South Carolina, okay. Manning area. Um, and then went into the Army right out of high school and spent the next 11 years as a geospatial engineer in the Army. Um, 
went from a brand new private up to uh, chief warrant officer two. Um, unfortunately, I got medically separated due to some injuries and stuff from uh, being in the airborne community. And so back in 2018, like I got out and honestly, like I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I went literally from having nine years left in the army to 90 days left like overnight. (laughs) And so you want to talk about a kick in the junk, you know, it's like, you know, this is, here's this thing that you've dedicated every waking moment of your life to for the last decade. And, you know, there's, there's this whole lack of purpose that kind of comes with that. And now it's like, okay, you know, when you're in the military and, and Matt knows this too, is like, you know, there's kind of an intrinsic purpose built into yeah absolutely you're you're serving a greater purpose you're a a greater need in our in our nation and then you know whether you're you know a guy kicking indoors or you're the guy behind the scenes making freaking maps like me you know you're you're doing something to help push things forward sure and you know when i got out there was a six-month period where i couldn't find work i mean i had 11 years I had 11 years experience. I could run circles around these kids with a college degree and I couldn't get freaking work because I didn't have a piece of paper. Cause you didn't have something on a piece yeah. of paper. Yeah. And so, um, luckily the job that I have now, um, well, another job picked me up part time. They had some, it was an engineering firm. They had some work GIS work is the industry that I'm in. Um, so I do a lot of cartography and stuff, sure. which we'll get into later with the whole name of my company, but, yeah. Um that was kind of uh they need they needed some of that GIS work for yeah. um for some projects that they had going on and they uh they brought me on part time just to kind of fill that need and um and for those listening that don't know what GIS is is okay. for Yeah, that's a geographic information system. So right. think like the background stuff to like Google Maps, Apple which, Maps, right. which yeah. is something you and I have in common cuz that's what I do, my day-to-day job is in uh, GIS work, kind of, more or less, but yeah. not not so much anymore. We've got away from a lot of the right. arc GIS yeah. stuff, and we yeah, have a exactly. different mapping system. But it's like flood maps or like when people that look up floods or uh, flood zones or any kind of mapping system mm-hmm. where you're looking something up and it's giving you data more than just images, those yeah. are, those are so, GIS. So, so, like, if you go to your city's webpage and there's, like, some kind of map and you can put in your address to find out, like, you know, whether it's your who manages your utilities or when your sanitation day is or whatever, that's using GIS in the background. I'll take um, it a, a step further that I think people will understand and appreciate. Um, so GIS data, GIS, it's, it's the systems are incredibly useful when it yes. comes to also emergency response and emergency yep. management. So your 911 center can use GIS data yep. coupled with their database of, of people who are elder el- elderly or, yeah. or need help and identify flood areas and do reverse 911 calls ahead of emergencies right, exactly. to help evacuate people. Um, same with, so I, I do some work um, on the cybersecurity side where uh, we have helped. Uh, there's a, there's a facility and I cannot remember the name of it. It's in, uh, North Dakota, I think, or South Dakota, and it's a huge satellite. Uh, well, they they receive satellite feeds from right. 
two different satellites, I think, uh, that are orbiting the Earth and taking photos at any given time. Mm -hmm. And they correlate that data with scientific stuff out in the field uh, related to streams, fires, all kinds of stuff. And so I was there to talk about how that interconnected network of things, the Internet of Things. Internet of Things. um, from a, secu- from a security perspective, right? right. Like, like how do you protect your, that data and ensure its integrity whenever you're looking to use it for yeah, things like disasters? But I learned some really cool things about how they can use GIS images to measure how water levels have changed and, and, and been impacted by wildfires because they remove so much vegeta- vegetation. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so GIS systems are, are used all over the world for all kinds of cool things. It's a really, really interesting topic. Right. I, I always tell people that like it's like Google Maps on crack. <laughs> and and that's like the easiest way to say it. Yeah. You know, because most people don't want to go super into the weeds about what it is, what we can do. Yeah. But literally like G- GIS is like a huge integrative technology that takes data sources from anything just about anything you can think of. Right. Everything from um you know water you know, you were talking about fire, emergency, disaster mm-hmm. relief. Yeah. Like, for instance, like in local government, we do stuff where um, we cre- we push out maps to citizens that show, like, for natural disasters, for instance, like where sandbag uh, filling locations are, sure. where um, where shelters are, where evacuation routes are. You know, all that stuff is really GIS in the background, and GIS yeah. at its root is really points, lines, and polygons. Sure. Like your points are anything like your points of interest, like restaurants, right. Intersections, anything that is stuck to one point on yeah. the earth's surface. And then lines obviously are multiple points, you know, the, the connection between multiple points in right. a line and then polygons are your area. Like, so, you know, buildings, stuff like right. that. And it's very base. That's what it is, but it's the analysis and the creativity that so many people use for it to solve problems yeah and honestly it's like this huge technology that integrates all these different departments you know you in in one minute i i can be creating an application for planning and zoning and then turn around and do something for the fire department yeah yeah and they're very different but right. the its base is using gis and so it's like gis is kind of the nucleus right. of of like spatial data right that's what i thought was interesting when i was doing the tour of that place before i gave my my talk to those guys is they were like well we have the customers that use our map it ranges from the national forestry service all the way to certain three-letter agencies that use our maps to augment you know their own that they have absolutely like it's everything in between um it was it was really it was really interesting but i guess to bring it back full circle um you were doing GIS stuff in, yep. in the military. Yeah, man, we could. We, <laughs> yeah, I, I know we could go that's down a, that's a whole forever. other tangent that I could. I mean, I've got 15 years experience in this field. And right. Like, we could talk for days on so this. You, so but, back to grid square. So you were doing. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you were doing that in the army, right? Yep. You saw so, yourself. After. So that's what uh, that's what I was doing. And I, I really enjoyed it because, you know, as I consider myself kind of a chronic creative. Right. So I say that because, like, I'm a very left and right brain person. I'm kind of a hybrid brain you know, usually most people are like very, very, very analytical or they're very artistic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm kind of in the middle and I think in an analytical way, I think because of the army and I was kind of trained 
to not only just not just see a map, but to see the applications of that map. Right. Right. To, you know, for um, a brigade of paratroopers to be able to navigate a certain area of the Earth's surface, I needed to know, okay, well, here's the valleys, here's the mountains, here's all the stuff that matters, you know. So I got used to the analytical thing, trying to think, okay, well, how is the enemy going to use those things to their benefit, but also how can we use it to counteract that? Right, yeah. And so that that analytical side is very strong with me, and, like, I guess that kind of feeds into the business side and wanting to, you know, take the creative stuff right. from the other side of my brain, and how can I kind of transition that to something that's sustainable that I can, I can do as a business right? so that I can keep doing these things that I really, really enjoy doing. Yeah. And... So, um, you know, doing that in the military, you know, being left, left and right brained kind of like being GIS really helped that because you can be really creative with how you use it. But um, now when I got out, you know, to kind of bring everything full circle, you know, yeah. like I got out and a lot of that that I had learned on how to use GIS in those applications went out the window because I was working for civilian agencies that they're not trying to go, you know, take gunfire to the enemy. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not a thing anymore. So it's like, you're, you're now worried about how can you keep cities from flooding or, you know, uh, how can we make sure that the water system for the city that you work for is as, you know, maintained as possible, you know, those kinds of things like, you know, where are all the hydrants in the city so that yeah. the fire department knows exactly where the hydrants are when they respond to a fire. Yeah. Um, so much perspective changed as far as my career. And then getting into photography, like, you know, my background a little bit more, um, I, I've always been into the outdoors, right? So growing up, it was mostly just me and my mom, so I didn't do a lot of hunting. I did some fishing and that kind of thing, but I didn't really... I didn't do a lot of hunting. My dad was several states away. So mm-hmm. we, he was, he was present as much as he could be from 800 miles away. And <laughs> yeah. then my stepdad, you know, he, unfortunately he passed away when I was about 10. And so he was only really in my life for about five years, but yeah. that was a, a big formative point in my life. And he had a big influence, but he wasn't like really a big hunter or anything sure. like that. So I really didn't start hunting at all until I was, you know, an adult yeah. and, you know, waterfowl was always something that was big for me. Like, I don't know what it was. Like I went one time with a buddy of mine and then I was just freaking hooked That's... and it was, and it was something about it. Like, you know, what other sport in the world do people get up at freaking the ass crack of dawn <laughs> in the worst freaking conditions imaginable it's cold as shit it's cold as shit (laughs) snow ice everything but they go out there and to get six freaking ducks yeah you know what i mean and it's like but when i went out shoot like 400 shells or 100 shells to get six (laughs) ducks you know but it's like but the thing for me was always the entire experience it was never just you know, going out and getting the ducks. Like, right. honestly, I never gave a shit about how many ducks I got or whatever. It was always the experience. Right. And the biggest thing for me was always the dogs. 
you know, um, I've been really blessed to be on the pro staff for Buck Gardner Calls. And Buck is a, a really good friend of mine personally. Like, it's not just, hey, it's a national brand company. And I'm a part of that company, but I never meet any of the people there. Like, I've hunted with him. And, you know, we talk probably at least a couple times a month probably. And, you know, going out with him, it was always like we would go to Arkansas and he would have us, he used to have a um, property just across the the border from Memphis. Mm -hmm. And we would go out there and we would hunt and dude, we would be covered up in birds. Yeah. And it wasn't always just all the mixed bag that we got or whatever. The things that I remember, like I couldn't tell you like all the different the exact mixed bag, like, yeah. bird sure. that we shot. It takes time. But we, like, experiencing with him and the things that I learned, yeah. like, he taught me not not just, like, how to blow a duck call and how to use that, but it was how to read the birds sure. and how to, you know, really set out decoys to where they look realistic. Right. And, like, mm-hmm. all those different things that I could – it's, I could I could give a crap less about like all the stuff that I experienced as far as like shooting birds. Mm-hmm. Like I, I suck at shooting. I'll be I'll I'll just go ahead and say it. So make fun of me all you want. But I suck at shooting birds. No marksman badge for you. Yeah, <laughs> I had to try twice. It's okay. <laughs> I was always good at the marksman. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but like um, but for me it was always the dogs. It was the duck calling. It was the whole experience. Yeah. All of that together and. Um, soon after I got back from, uh, my deployment in, well, actually before my deployment, um, in 2014, I got a chocolate lab deacon, um, and started training in myself and like that kind of took off into its own direction and building, uh, and that, and that's been a, another, one of my passions, you know, is dog training. And so kind of to segue a little bit, you know, uh, the kennel that I actually got Deacon from, um, in that litter, they kept a female from that litter in order to carry on their breeding program. Yeah. They were they were very small South Carolina uh, breeding program, uh, birdie dog kennels, and somebody stole her. Uh, she was maybe, I want to say she was less than a year old, and she was probably out in the front yard, sweet, sweetest dog in the world, right? And somebody probably just pulled up, she jumped in and they took off. They found her collar at the end of the road and never found her. Wow. So, so like birdie dog kennels kind of like fell off. Right. Well, um, that is they, fucked up. Yeah, for sure. Like, and so like for, for them, they kind of fell off and Mark and I stayed in really good contact and uh, he's a good friend of mine. And, um, now with my new pup Kirby, yeah. um, Kirby is supposed to be the new patriarch and we haven't really done a whole lot with that. Um, just because Kirby's six months old. So mm-hmm. we have, I mean, I've taught him some obedience stuff, but we haven't done a whole lot of um, marketing that, that business. But we're we're kind of going to bring a resurgence of birdie dog kennels with my new pup. Okay. Cool. But you started so, doing, well, before we do that, I want, let's do another whiskey break. There's a, there's a store pick I got yesterday. It's an Eagle Rare store pick, which are Ooh, Eagle uh, Rare. Historically whiskey my break. favorite. But so I wanted y'all to use the fresh lash for this because it's a it's an interesting pick in that it's I don't want to taint your nose so but I don't want you to drink it I want you to smell it and then I want you to sit it down yeah but I need you to smell it once it's poured and then we'll uh, we'll go from there 
And I'm going to go ahead and say now, Dose. for the people listening, I'm an all-over-the-place kind of person, but, you know, we're sitting here talking about all these different things that are super important to me, and uh, my story is pretty kind of all-over-the-place anyway, no, good, so it's man. pretty... Uh, it's pretty um, apropos, I guess. We get told all the time that people love just hearing news stories. Yeah. And, uh, and no, you're good. We can, I, we can talk I as love, long as you want. I love going on tangents. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is. No, we're good. It has yeah. nothing to worry about. Yeah. We, we, we talk all over the place, too, usually. And uh, as, as, long, as long as we're doing a beer break, too. As long as that's not like a thick stout or something, I don't care. What is it? Pacifico, that's fine. Pacifico. I don't care. Beer's beer. You got a tick? We're in the woods, so. Thank you, sir. No, I'm good, man. Is this a box? My keys are up there. There's a bottle opener on it. uh, So this Eagle Rare, I drove, well, Gus drove um, an hour and a half to get this for us. And I had it yesterday at the Packy. Or God, I keep doing that. I had it yesterday at Gibby's. Um, and is a tick? Nice. Son of a biscuit. We'll probably all cover the ticks. So I, I had it yesterday with um, Caleb from Gibby's Bottle Shop. And we had a discussion about it. And it's, you know, I, it's an experience, okay? So this is not... I'm not even going to say anything. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss it in person. But um, as you do far that, as... You do that a lot, right? You know that? Like What's that? The, You know what? I'm not even going to tell you. We're, we'll talk about it in person. On the podcast? Like, I don't know how many times you've said that in conversations we've had over text. Like, I can't help. Because you know there's what? a lot of stuff I want to tell you in person. Yeah. I, uh, here's like, the thing. You know what? If we talk about it right now, like you're going to be so lost. We're just going to talk about it in person. Well, it's here's like, the, why don't you even freaking bring it up? Here's, and this is honestly, and this isn't like a weird brag. This is honestly why there's a lot of stuff that I want to tell people, but we're bound by things and we can't. Yeah. So if I tell you in person, well, I, I know it. it can't be screenshot. That's yeah. The fair reason. enough. Fair but, enough. So yeah. So this Eagle rare store pick and anyone that has listened, well, uh, long enough, you know that I'm an Eagle rare store pick guy. I just like them. Um, and we'll leave it at that. But yeah, everybody, so don't taste. Just pour you some, and I want you to smell it. And we'll talk about the smell, and then we'll sit it back down. So no no drinking. Just taste. Just smell. Smell. No drinking. Because it's a fascinating experience, which whiskey is all, I'm all about the experience of whiskey, and this is actually a, an experience. See, but whiskey, you're new to this, so this will be new yeah, I, experience. I love drinking whiskey and bourbon, but I've never like tried to experience well, it I'm gonna, like like you guys always do. And like since I've been listening to the podcast, like I've taken time more to like try to pick out those different aromas Good. and everything. That's what we like to hear. I'm going to give you a full class tonight. Hell yeah! Um, and we're getting ready to start filming our classes, which will be available for certain things. But um, that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, that, I mean that'll be kind of. It's a it's a big thing coming. We can have, I can I do a story about that? Hold on, let's do this. Well, I mean you can't. Let's do this first. Just smell okay. it. Tell me what you smell, and don't drink it. Just smell it. I smell America. <laughs> there is an eagle on it. That was my point. So this is a this is a lesson, is what this bottle is. A lesson. I wish I could tell a you. Yeah, this is a, this bottle is a lesson. This is not anything other than a lesson. So what do you smell, Gus? Uh, 
I'll give you a hint. There's a fruit smell. Well, I'm sure there is. I get molasses. You get cherry. I get. I was gonna. This say is cherry. heavy cherry. Yeah. I so smell. I do get some cherry, but right. not not the um. So in uh, in other bourbons, you get a dark yeah dark chocolate like cherry. a dark yeah. chocolate cherry, almost like maybe a um, just a uh, other dark aged fruit. I don't get that with this. I get a no. more f- a more sweet cherry forward forward note. Yes. And so Adam, you won't. I mean, you may, you can feel free to try, but you may not. You're not going to understand what I'm saying. But Gus will probably get it because he's had Eagle Rare with me store picks. He's had stuff like this before. I don't think I don't know that you have. Have you? Have you had a bunch of Eagle Rare? No. Okay. I mean, I've had some, but I haven't had like. So your your impression this would be different than ours or mine. Okay. And even if I'm the only one with this opinion, everyone yesterday that I drank it with, they they all had the same. My my whole thing is like, if a whiskey is super smooth, like I love it. Like, smooth. He said the S word. He said the S word. Is this? Yeah. All right. So smell it. We got some cherry. Now I want you to taste it, and then I want you to put it down, and then we'll we'll revisit it in about ten minutes. All right. So taste it. And then put it down. So I, I do like that. That's delicious. So yes, because you've never had. Uh, Gus, what do you think? Gus is gonna be like it's as far okay. as profile, finish, the whole thing. Sum it up real quick. Easy. Maybe okay. it's not with the word you wanted. No, no, I, I don't care. It's, I just I'm gonna tell you what I think, and then you're gonna be like, ah. Well, well, to me, like the thing that sticks out is like I personally don't like bourbons and whiskeys that are like really, really bite on the front end. No bite on this. Right. It's very, very, very So there's no bite, bite free. Do you taste cherry? I don't really I didn't really taste no it. Taste no taste of cherry, right? So no. there's a cherry nose. No taste in cherry. Usually if there's a cherry nose, there's a cherry taste. Right. So fresh off it's the pour, no cherry taste. There's a cherry nose. It it <clears> is <throat> it has no bite. After you swallow it, how long before the taste is gone? It's pretty it was much fairly, yeah, it was fairly instant, quick. right? Yeah. So that would mean it has a short finish. So it does not complement the nose. It does not have a long finish. And what some people would call smooth, Jesus, woman. What some people would call smooth, <laughs> I would call unexciting. Yeah. Um, there's there's nothing there. You drink it, it's bourbon, it's gone. Maybe it's immediately gone. I think that's what See, I meant by easy is that there wasn't yeah, a whole yeah. lot to it. Right. Yeah, so yeah. See, to me, when I say smooth, like it's really the lack of bite. But I like ones that have like... It's not super heavy bite on the front end, but you can taste it for a long time. Like yeah. as it goes down, like it doesn't burn super bad going down. Like there's always going to be that little bit of burn, of yeah. course. But yeah. you know, it's it's something that you can sip on and not be like, oh, well, I need to drink a little bit more before I no. break that bottle. When open. people say smooth, I generally, I, I generally take that to mean that it's it's something that's easy to drink and it doesn't require a lot of right. And so when you said smooth and I said easy, I think I think we're all saying the same yeah, thing. Exactly. So my point though is that this whiskey for a new person is probably really good. Yeah. And this is how you can tell with single barrels when they select it, you can tell whether or not they enjoy whiskey or not. If it's just someone that has a collection and they don't really open anything and they taste it and they go, Wow, that's really easy to drink. And that's what they Think means it's yeah. good. Yeah, it yeah. means that it's good. And to some people, that is good. But for people 
like me that that taste and experiment and touch a lot of stuff. For me, this was very. There's just it's like I don't know. It's just whiskey. If, so yeah. the reason that we're sitting it down is because as soon as I tasted it, I knew it needed to open up, and so I I sat it on the table and we didn't touch it. So ten minutes from now, we'll taste it again, and it will be completely different. Hmm. So we'll do a let it sit for ten minutes, cool. and then we'll go back to it. It's a very fascinating whiskey in the fact that I'm unimpressed by it, but I'm also impressed at how well it opens up. And then you'll see when we taste it again. Gotcha. But back to... Yeah. So we were talking about Birdie Dog Kennels. <laughs> yes. Like, so they... And they, they owe us $75 every time you say their name. Okay. False. <laughs> because I owe you $75. <laughs> I feel like I'll just give you free work. How about that? Yeah. Today's okay. free. 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 <laughs> no. So... Um, once hops got stole, stolen, yeah, that was her name. Best name ever, right? Hops, so like hops. hops, like beer <laughs> hops. So, um, you know, Mark messages me. He's like, yeah, hops got stolen out of the yard. And he's like, so I don't I don't know what we're going to do. And uh, he ended up getting another dog, but it wasn't from Birdie Dog. It was a completely different kind of focus for what he, he had had for the company before. And, you know, so it kind of dropped off. Yeah. And then... I got Kirby this year, and yes, named after the Georgia coach. Go dogs. (laughs) Go dogs. Um, But the idea was to kind of bring a resurgence of that back. So Kirby, the goal is for Kirby to be the patriarch of Uh, the new birdie dog line. Cool. We we haven't really publicized a whole lot about that solely because he has to prove himself first. Yeah. Right. in the dog world, a lot of that comes into hunt tests, field trials, sure. that kind of thing. Now, Kirby's dad is a freaking stud, Grand Hunter Retriever Champion, Super Retriever Series Champion, Master right. National Hunter. Like, so it's a safe assumption. It's a safe assumption. Like he but it ha- doesn't he, always pan out that way. Exactly. Yeah, look at racehorses. Right. He <laughs> he has the pedigree. Yeah. Um, and I will say that compared to Deacon, Deacon was a great dog. He's a great house dog. He's a great. He's been amazing with our kids. Like. Mm-hmm. Both of my kids have grown up with him like their entire lives. Like I, I seriously dread the freaking day mm. when he crosses the rainbow bridge. Yeah, because like our whole family, like <laughs> you know, he's been such a huge part of our lives. So I don't even want to think about it. But um, but yeah. So with him, you know, he's he was always. Super chill. Yeah. Like, he loves to work. He yeah. loves to go out there and retrieve. He's he's picked up hundreds of ducks in his life. Like, he's, awesome. you know, but he only has a started hunter, hunting title. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he he's at an age now, he's, he's going on eight, that, you know, he's not really at that competition level anymore. Like, he's, he's a great hunting dog still, but he's a little bit past his prime. And... So the idea was that we got Kirby and Kirby, like he's kind of ornery at home. He's kinda, uh, yeah. And honestly, like <laughs> I owe my wife new outdoor furniture because oh, no. <laughs> he was teething and oh, nice. he would just be outside and he'd be like, Hey, this I'm a dog. <laughs> hey, I'm a dog. Yeah. I'm teething. This soft wood looks really good yeah, right now. I'm so wreck this. Yeah. About to chew on this. So my wife was like super pissed about my, uh, <laughs> my dog choice because of all that, but it's okay, honey. We'll, we'll take care of it later. I promise. You'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 
Anyway, so that's yeah. what started so that, your love of photography of bird dogs. Right. And so because I trained my own dogs, um, I actually met with um, the guy at Southern Oak Kennels East, uh, Parish Major. And I was like, hey, I don't, I don't have a lot of property to train my new dog. And I want, you know, can I, can I come out there and, I'll, and I'm willing to help you? Um, and I had done photography a little bit. Like I've done, I had done some little wildlife stuff, stuff for myself, not like that I had posted on Instagram yeah. or for other people. And, um, my wife had dabbled a little bit in photography, so I'd used her cameras and stuff like that. Well, soon after I got out there, I started really just taking pictures of gun dogs. Yeah. Um, and I took a workshop with Mark Atwater. He's a really great outdoor photographer um, that does mostly gun dogs. Um, he's he does a lot of the big gun dog events. Okay. Um, the National Retrievers. And, yeah, yeah. Um, all that stuff, and uh, learned an immense amount about photography, specifically of gun dogs, but it's really action photography in general. You can really apply the same concepts to a sports game as you would to a a high-powered retriever trudging through freaking three foot of mud to get to a bird yeah yeah and so that really helped and then i started doing a lot of the a lot of photography for uh southern oak kennels uh, at their east their east campus there and it just kind of went from there and then i started posting those pictures and then clients that Parrish would have started wanting me to take pictures of their dogs while they were there. And so I, because that was what was most accessible, that was what I was taking pictures of. Right, right. And I've gotten some pretty epic shots, I thought, you know, um, at least shots that I was super excited about. Sure. And, you know, I also got some wildlife shots recently, and then I got a sunset shot. And the funny thing about that, I think I, uh, I don't know if I messaged Matt about it, but I'm, I was talking to my wife about it. I was just like laughing because I have these these shots of like dogs midair, fully in focus, yeah. jumping into the water, and people freaked out over a sunset picture <laughs> that literally I just I took my time and just set it up and you know made it frame right and then took the picture. Right. You know, with a gun dog, like you're taking pictures of a dog at full sprint. Sure jumping into a body of water and like capturing water droplets falling off of this dog yeah at however fast right and you know to me like that's so much so much harder and people didn't really relate that to but they were like oh i can relate to the sunset picture it's beautiful and it's like okay but what about this epic shot of this dog you know and you know it kind of goes back to you were talking about like it doesn't matter how many likes you have and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. And right. Exactly. Like it was kind of funny to me and it, I, and I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little frustrated about it, but like it blew up about sun, the, the sunset picture or yeah. the fireworks pictures that I took over 4th yeah. of July. But then I'd have way less engagement on this epic shot of this dog jumping. And in. a lot of that could be hashtag strategy as well. It's right. not getting in front of people. And that's one of the things with Dom like yeah. when we started, when I first recognized Dom's photos, I mean, he didn't have any following really. And, uh, I just loved it. We started reposting and stuff and, and he's smart about researching. Uh, we're in a group chat and he always brags yeah. about being like the hashtag guru and he yeah. knows how many hashtags like you should 
some days you should have this many, some days you should have 15. I don't know. He just says yeah. stuff, but he, uh, well, maybe I need to like start uh, yeah. talking about my hashtag. Well, hit up, hit I, up use the, I use the same ones. I use a lot of the same Don't ones that uh, uh, the, like other gun dog, like photographers. Well, the problem use. is people with small accounts use too big of hashtags. That's the issue. And it's, mm. and it's like, if, if you have, you know, less than a thousand followers and you use a hashtag that has like 800,000, ha- you know, uses, you're, you're going to get lost. It'll never show up where you have to start. You have to be creative about it. And Dom's really, we were good at it for a while and we got lazy and, and we're redeveloping our hashtag strategy, but there's a, you have to do it in order to get people to see it. But Noted. using a huge, like if you just like gun dog, hashtag gun dog, no one's going to see it. It's, yeah. just, it's a wasted hashtag. You got to figure out other things. And one of the things that we use, like for you could use would be like, what kind of tr- toy is that? What kind of, uh, what, what, I don't yeah, know the I words, but like the thing like you're, the using. you're yeah. using or whatever. So stuff like that or, or a leash or, or whatever. Um, but also tagging people is huge because people See, that's will repost. Yeah. And, and that, so always try to tag people. We, we don't usually tag people when we post products because I just, I don't want to, I would be upset if somebody was like, I'm trying to sell this thing and they tag me in it. Yeah. And then yeah. I feel obligated to repost it. I don't want to do that to people. So See, I, I've been, I've been really good about my tagging, but I, I've probably been pretty lazy about my hashtag strategy. Well, like, the thing about I Dom ha- is like I have a set of hashtags yeah. that I use yeah, like on all, all the time. Pictures. Yeah, but yeah. Dom, Dom's figured it out because he and there's there's a lot of ways to get likes and follows. And and again, people look at your account and they. But if you think about it, there's huge companies that just don't use social media, yeah. and you get on their Instagram and they have like no followers. And and it's and people. And people are like, well, that's crazy that they don't have any or, followers. Or better, use- they, they post yeah. like once a week and yeah. they don't have any hashtags, but they have like a million followers. Yeah, posting constantly <laughs> is a thing. We try to post five to six times a week and using the longer that somebody's on your post. So like telling a story, the long, like I'm, I've, I do it here and there. I really don't care yeah. to be honest, but um, growing a company, you kind of have to have it. But the longer someone's on your post and reading it, there's algorithms behind yep. that. And there's a lot of math involved and just techniques. But yeah. Dom has figured it out, and, he, you know, he broke 10,000 followers pretty quickly. Um, and there's a lot of strategies to do it. I mean, you could follow 100,000 people, and then you may get 80,000 people follow you back, and then you unfollow. But we're not huge into that. And the other thing, too, is people will join your page, and you don't follow them back, and they'll leave. Mm-hmm. And it, but because people think that well, follow for follows a yeah. thing, and it's and yeah. it's not. I I don't even I don't have time to go through and look at everyone that follows us. But if you tag yeah. us in photos, if you comment on our stuff, I'm yeah. going to follow yeah. you back. It's a, that's that's, that's how do. you build yeah. a relationship. I follow people that I have a relationship with. Like and I when have we people. when we unfollow people, it's the same thing. It's like yeah. this guy doesn't like me. I don't even know who this person is. It never yeah. comments. Why am I following this person? It doesn't it's not helping me. Right. Right. Um, it but it's. People don't look at it that way. They look at it as like a social group to where if I follow you and you don't follow me back, then we're not friends. And, exactly. and that's not the thing. It's, you know, if you interact on our content, we're going to follow you back. We're going to interact on your content. Exactly. And, you know, that's how group chats start. And like, I mean, we're in a bunch of group chats with people and it's hard to grow, but that's why I don't care about likes and follows. And I don't care. I, I look at what the product is. Like yep. Dom again, had nothing when we, and I'm not, we had nothing to do with growing and he grew it himself, but it's like when, when we started reposting and looking at Dom and dealing with Dom, it was because of his eye and his ability to shoot stuff. And you have the same thing. That's the reason you're sitting in front of us is I, I like what you're doing. Yeah. And, and just as a reference for people as of today, well, when we're, when we're recording this, I have 371 followers, big so, money, big money. Yeah. 
you know, but I will say that I've, I've only, ha- I've only had that Instagram open since January. Well, followers don't equal money. Yeah, right. They don't equal fame. They don't equal anything. But you know uh, what? I have, I will, what I am proud of, even with that small following, is I have engagement on every photo. Engagement is key. So I, like, I want so 10 I'm, plus so, comments. So, so every story, every story, I have people that watch my stories. I have people that, you know, consistently I'm putting you know, significant numbers, yeah. at least for, I'm putting at least 10 to 20% of my following is liking those photos yep. plus people commenting, resharing. And to me, like if I have 500 people following me, but I have that engagement, like that's a more important because yeah. people, right. you're, one, you're getting feedback. And if your shit sucks, then you know sure. that like, okay, I need to revamp and don't use that. Right. Don't use that editing style. And ideally, if you, if you grow organically, you will maintain that ratio, if not better. Exactly. One thing that uh, Matt will say when he's not throwing shit around is... I just swallowed could I mean, what could go wrong? I'm not trying to kill you. I, the, the piece of glass fell on the floor. I know it's not in the bottle. Yeah. You're lying. <laughs> um, but one thing that one thing that Matt will tell you and that he sees all the time is that pages will have thousands and thousands of followers. And then a photo will have like two likes, two likes or 15 likes and and no comments. And it's like, it starts to become real obvious when your, your numbers are skewed or are padded because you've used a service or paid for those things. Um, When you look at things clearly, by the numbers, you know what I mean, and and look a little just a when you don't look them at when you don't look at them clearly. You okay? Yeah, you said by the number. I was like by the number, front to rear, count off. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring back the PTSD flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. So, like, kind of, kind of back to the whole story. You know, we, you know, yes, all the the engagement and everything. You know, all that's important. But it's for me with the gun dog photography, like the transition from yeah. photography to media. Right. Know, to most people, like when they're looking at my social media, they're not going to see much of a change. Yeah. Like if you're not contracting me for a personal commission, whether it's like pet photography, you know, photos of your gun dog, like, yeah. you know, taking me on a hunt with you to take photos. If you're not doing stuff like that, like if you're just following me on Facebook or Instagram, like you're not going to see much of a change that's other, my overall other than point. adding other than adding video. Yeah. Like that's the big change. When I did my LLC back in April, I did it as grid square media, but then I had a DBA as grid square photography. Cause I wasn't sure if I, I was interested in it and I knew I wanted to dabble in it, but I didn't know if I wanted to do it professionally as yeah. videographer. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of this year is really building that real, you know, building that, kind of portfolio for video stuff. Like there's yeah. not going to be a whole lot of paid video that I'm going to get the rest of this year. Right. Um, other than like stuff that I'll do with you guys and working with you. And um, I'm not actively trying to work with some major brands to do video or sure. anything for them. I'll do happily do their product photography, but um, you know, obviously photography is my bigger thing right now. Yeah. So and that was my overall point is that uh, the followers don't it don't matter because they're not paying money. What's right. what, what I'm getting paid? What we what we receive checks for 
is the video content we make. And, and a lot of it, we don't even reproduce. Nobody ever sees it. Yeah. You never see it because that, it's, that, because it's not, it's not on brand, you know? And right. like if we say, for instance, we do a commercial for a lawyer or something, I'm not going to put that on our page. Exactly. So it's, I don't, I don't look at followers as though you're good or not. It doesn't matter to me. I look at the style and I like your photography style. And I know that you're anal as shit. Some of the stuff, like just looking at your case, the way you have everything laid out in there, you're, yeah. you're more anal than I am and I'm anal. And so and it's like, so, well, well, that was the thing when I set up my business, like when I was doing the photography stuff, I threw a lot of stuff together at the last minute yeah. just to be, cause in my mind I was like, if I'm going to do this professionally, then I should have a website. I should have right. X, Y, Z. And you but have I, all that. Yeah. But now I tightened it up even further. Yeah. And now knowing, okay, if I'm going to do video, I need to build reels. Right. Yes. So this year, my thought process is, okay, well, doing these chapters, yes, I'm going to do chapters on, you know, that may be paid, correct. But I'm not, like you said, like the ones that are, like a lawyer, if I did photo, like, yeah, you know, headshots for a, a lawyer's office, like I'm not going to post that. No, nobody cares. <laughs> right. But the stuff for me and the same thing for a video, like if a company contracts me to do video for them, I'm probably not going to post that unless it's something that's kind of fits that, that chapter story. Those yeah. are going to be de- designated for my friends and, and those companies will be part of that. But those are going to be designated for my on brand. These are the things that are yes. the storyline of my company. Yeah. Same thing for us. We, right, right. we only put stuff that's on brand. So like the hunting, the we, we do work with a lot. Well, before we do that, grab, grab this thing. It's been more than 10 minutes. So now smell it and tell me what you smell. Oh, man, I smell way more caramel than I did Holy. than I do cherry. Yeah, the cherry smell the cherry is almost, gone. It's gone. Yeah. Wow. So now give it a taste and tell me what you taste. Oh, it was way more bite that time. There's cherry in it now. Yeah. That finish is super cherry. Yeah. So something happens while it opens up, and uh, there's probably a time frame there that you would have to stop watch it where you have a cherry smell and a cherry taste. Yeah. But the cherry smell is completely gone, and it goes straight into the taste. So Sounds like an experiment that our... Director of whiskey should do. Yeah, I'm going to. That's why I'm bringing it up. This is a, this is a very interesting bottle. I bought two of them for this reason. Well, I mean, I bought two of them because that was the only amount I was allowed to buy. But <laughs> so, so when I said a lot of bite, like I felt like the first time, you know, it was very. I I don't want to say smooth because you know s word. We hate that. But word. I don't know. Smooth. The reason guess, we don't guess, like smooth. I guess the ethanol, like the actual alcoholic so, taste to it, like on the front end, on the first taste. That was non-existent to me. Yeah, so, yeah. But this time it's very much more present. And then, like you said, the cherry on the going down, like, yeah, it doesn't go away right away. It's still present right now as we're talking. The so reason right. we don't like smooth is because smooth is an easy thing to say. And yeah. everyone says it. I get it. I, and it's like, it'd be like, it's a nice day. Why? Why is it a nice day? Is it because it's not super humid or there's a nice breeze, you know, get yeah, a little more into it. So when sure. people say smooth, it has nothing to do with, we don't want you to say it, but we, like, as we never explain this, because people ask all the time, like, why do you hate the word smooth? Like, I, it's because it's, I just feel like there's more behind it. Cause sometimes for instance, smooth can be a lot of different smooth things. Smooth meant for me, uh, nothing going on. 
smooth for someone may mean that it goes down easy. It may mean that exactly. there's not a huge bite. I don't know. That's what we want to get dive deeper. Yeah, so instead yeah. of smooth, it's a very surface level yeah, word. Yeah. Let's go a little deeper, but yeah, the, it completely changes. Do you like it more now or before? I think I like the back end of the taste more now. So like, let's say I could have like a little less bite, like the first taste, but the flavor profile of the second taste. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what my preference. Would so be. we need to find that the time that middle ground where that middle ground is and only drink this at exactly that. Minute. Well, I'm going to give you my <laughs> three minutes and 37 seconds <laughs> as director of whiskey. I will give you my interpretation of this. Pop a bottle, pour it. I smell cherry. I taste. And my immediate thought is compared to bottles of this class. I'm not talking about this next to some plastic bottle ship. I'm talking about Eagle Rail single barrels. Yeah other Buffalo Trace style products, my immediate thought is I've had better. That's it. Sure. It's not that it's good. It's not that it's bad. I've, I've had better. Okay. And then once it opens up, I think then opens up, this is how I introduce someone to whiskey is something like this because it is very tame. There is a lot of flavor. There's not a lot of nose, but the ethanol, like the alcohol smell, there isn't one, which I yeah. think is... Uh, excuse me, which I think is. <laughs> Bro, that was epic. Sorry. So gross. I had an egg McMuffin yesterday morning. Since then, I haven't had anything to eat. Please tell us the story again, Matt. I know. I haven't said it on here. One more again. <laughs> I told Hold you on. both separately, but I didn't say it on here. For the listeners, one more time. So, yeah, I had a, uh, a lapse in judgment there and burped into the microphone. Anyway. It's okay. It was it was a great one. Good job. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll leave it in. Yeah, leave it in. I'm actually pretty proud of that. Thank like, you. I'm, appreciate you know that. what? You're a great American. I appreciate that. Thank it was you. good. It was a for service. It had depth. It had. There was, was depth. It was, it was short. It was quick. It was to the point. It was very balanced. And that was that Pacifico glass uh, mixture that I just drank. But anyway, it's fine. Well, I'm glad that you didn't burp that up at me. Next time, get your own fucking beer. Uh, we, I miss our assistant already every time. <laughs> Executive assistant. Yeah, we have an executive <laughs> assistant that gets us beer and stuff that we forget, but she's not here. Um, I got a mini fridge for the new spot so we can keep stuff cold. There will be a mini fridge, dude. Do you want to talk about insurance? No, I really okay. don't. All right, we won't. <laughs> Only because it pisses me off. Yeah, it makes me so angry. Insurance sucks. We can't dude, get it. Yeah. Can't get it. Well, I, I, really I don't want. I don't want to do this. I don't okay. Want to do this. So this this whiskey <laughs> now that it's opened up, I think that I could talk people into a higher proof stuff. But when I think of an aged 10-year bourbon, this is not what I think what, of. What's the proof of the, on this? Yeah, what is the proof on this? It's the bottle in front of you, my man. Hold, please. But this is a 10-year bourbon, Eagle Rare, store pick, which means they tasted it. But what I'm wondering is how they picked it. Because if they picked it on the nose, that makes sense. There's no way. In f- Easy. It's 90, 90 Easy. proof. 90 proof? I get so yeah. angry. Really? 45%. Yes, sir. That's weak. Somebody definitely. I think they picked it. They smelled it and they were like, this one. Somebody definitely, I don't think, tasted this. I don't think they did either. Yeah. They should have let it see. Or or they don't know what they're tasting. Or they have a very. Or they were smart and they were like, people will like this because it's easy to drink. Well, think about that. If it's a store pick, they want people to buy it. Here's the thing, though. This is easy to drink, but if you're buying easy to drink, I don't think you're buying Eagle Rare. If I'm buying, like, I will never go because I thought I'm going to. They had stacks of it and I was like, I'm going to go back and buy more. No, I won't. So the first time I saw Eagle Rare was at Class 6 when I was at Bragg. So I just 
assumed because, because I assumed it was like, you know, one of those random. It's rare. It's and it's an eagle. Yeah, you know, well, the eagle thing on a military post class six. Like I just kind of assumed it yeah. was one of those. Eagle like, rare is a name that goes in a plastic bottle on a class six on a military base. Right. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, well, it's probably just some cheap shit, yeah. you know, and I didn't even bother with it. Yeah. And that's literally, I've, I've had some before, but like, that's the most in depth I've ever gone with an evil rare bottle. But it, yeah, yeah, it's so, so the other thing, you okay over there? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely the most in depth I've been to. And, um, on, and that's the first time I've ever had that actual experience with an Eagle rare. Cause I've had so many of them, you know, they're all so Eagle rare. They blend to taste a certain way, but when you do store picks, they're, uh, they used to say single bear on the front of them. They don't anymore because they're not, they blend them to match that profile. So when you do a store pick, it is a single barrel. So I think I think that if you were to take that juice and call it something other than Eagle Rare and bottle it, I think it would explode and take off immediately. But um, because it's Eagle Rare, I'm just not impressed. I, it, like I have a certain expectation for Eagle Rare. Yeah. This just doesn't fit it. Yeah. Gotcha. But anyway... So that was, you know, that. That's what, but that's what you get when you get uh, store picks. Yeah, right? you, that you never know what you're going to get. If you get a store, if you taste a store pick next to what the master blender at that distiller is putting together for that bottle on a normal basis, it 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 there, there's uh, there stands to be a good chance that it's going to be wildly different, just because you have people picking a barrel versus the blender taking his time to put together the things that yeah that make that flavor profile that it's known for what it is so we're gonna do 25 more minutes i need the last five um to talk about something that i think is interesting so for the next 20 minutes let's do where we left off and then into where you see yourself not in the next 10 years, but like in the next five years. Cool. Um, where I wanted to go anyway. Yeah. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to yep. be like where you are right now? And we just, you just rebranded yesterday or yep. three days ago now for people that are listening on the podcast. So you're rebranded from just photography into straight media. So where you are now, where you are seven days ago, where you want to be in the next five years. Okay. Yeah. So kind of bring it back to where we were. We were talking about like gun dog photography and, how it all kind of blended in with kind of some of the other photos that I've had shared recently. And then we started talking about engagement and all that. Well, you know, it, I found that kind of, at first I was kind of frustrated because like I was putting all this effort and work into gundog photography and getting some great shots, at least in my mind, you know, I was getting a lot of engagement from people, but then, got epic engagement from people over a sunset or some fireworks photos. And I'm proud of those photos too. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not unappreciative of those people that liked and commented and loved those photos, but it took way less effort to do those than it did for me to get those, those gun dog shots. And so it was at first it, 
it was a little frustrating, but it was really more so of a kind of, it got me thinking really like maybe I need to refocus things a little bit. And it's, there's still going to be a lot of gun dog stuff. That's, Far and away, like, my favorite thing to shoot. Sure. Right? Because any kind of wildlife, dogs in action, and that's and that's really the preface of my whole business is life in action. Yeah. Right? And to me, I could go and shoot weddings and families, and I could make a good living. There's people yeah. in Charleston area that do that and in spades. Sure. And we have something for you for that that we'll talk about tonight. But Ten four. Remind me. However, I don't. I don't I don't want to do weddings, not because I can't do them. I don't want to do weddings because they're not outdoors related. Right? And now if somebody comes to me and they says, and I put this on my website and you you made a comment about it, Matt. Like, you know, if somebody comes to me and is like, hey, we're gonna do our vows repelling off the side of a mountain, like I'm fuck there. yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's go. Like, I'm buying a harness and gear today. Yes, I will buy it today. <laughs> I will be there tomorrow. Yeah. Like, let's do it. But, like, there are so many phenomenal wedding photographers out there that because I'm more action-focused sure. and my action photography background kind of takes precedence. Yeah. And, like, there's so many other great ones. Like, I'll I'll tell you great people to go to. Sure. But I don't want to compete with those people. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what you were talking about, the guy at the night market. Like, there's so many other great ones. I would rather them own that space yeah. right. because I would rather own some chunk of the outdoor space. Yeah. And I would rather do action photography to me. Like there's nothing more exciting to me. Like that owl photo that I took a few weeks Love ago, dude, like such a serendipitous moment for that to happen. So the photo that I actually took yesterday or that I posted yesterday, Friday, there's a, it's a kind of a black and whitish photo of dog running and he's staring at the camera with his eyes and everything. I think it's the one that you just shared I on just the stories it, actually. Yeah. 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 So that photo, I was in the middle of taking that series of shots and this owl freaking jumps down out of the trees and like stomps a frog or something in this puddle. Yeah. And immediately me and Parrish were both like, Holy crap. Like, so I, my I went from gun dog mode to wildlife mode like immediately. Like I went and got my longer uh longer focal length lens, come back and I get that photo. And you know, things like that, those are the things to me that really get my blood pumping. Like nothing is exciting to me about going and taking a wedding photo. Yeah. You know, and there's everybody can has cameras accessible now to go and take family photos. You know, like there's so many great family photographers. Like, why would I try to jump into that? And the other side of it, what what I was when you were talking about, um, now you want to move into other things. I I just want to say it it harks back on that harps back on that moment. Where, harps back on that thought where I said, I don't care about likes, right? So if you're passionate about a thing, that's what you should be all in on is the thing. It's okay to add other stuff, right? But the yeah. reason that we yeah. like you and the reason that we want to work with you is because I think that you're really good at that thing. And yeah. I don't care if you start taking pictures of weddings and you get a bunch of likes on wedding photos. That doesn't matter to me because what, what we want you for, what we want to work with you with is this outdoor style shooting. Yes. Um, and a lot of stuff is your photography. So I'm, I'm super excited for you to move into 
like the video because yeah. the video is the is the big deal for us. But as you know, some of the work that we do is not always outdoor stuff. Right. So and that's and that's the nature of the beast. Like any photographer, like one of one of my favorite gun dog photographers, a good friend of mine, Mike Schellenbach, like he takes phenomenal dog photos. But he also does other stuff. Right. But he's a full time photographer. So sure. sometimes like Yes, you want to focus on certain things, but you have to take those other jobs. Like, you gotta pay the bills, man. Exactly, and <laughs> yeah. and that's the other thing that I wanted to bring to point. You know, that I didn't throw into my crappy elevator pitch earlier is that, you know, I also want to do those personal things. Yeah, I want to do some of those things that are not necessarily outdoor related, but I don't want to do weddings. Yeah, or family photos, not because I can't do them, but because it's already saturated. Sure. I want to do something. I want to collaborate with you and figure out something unique to you that we can capture in motion. In that moment, whiskey and white You mean the correct, like the customer, customer. the client, whoever that I'm working with. Yeah, yeah. Like I want you to come to me and say, "This is a project that we're working on. What can you do with it?" And I want to come. I want to pick your brain. I want to come up with some crazy idea that is unique to you yeah that we can capture in motion right whether it's capturing it stills and freezing that frame to that because at, at the essence of a photo and the essence of a video for telling a true story it has to start with the emotion of that photo yeah right and if it in order for it to tell a story, it has to capture your attention first. And then for you to really in, enjoy and appreciate the photo, it has to capture some kind of portion of your, your psyche, of your soul in that moment. Yes. And for you to go, wow, this is a great photo. And the thing like, for instance, that photo that I posted yesterday, the dog, the dog one, or the owl photo, or the sunset. One, it's relatable. But two, those animals are staring straight at the camera, right? And so it's almost like like that owl is a young owl, but his iris, the, there's no iris in those the eyes. If you look yeah. at those straight the killer, owl, it's a killer face. Is right, what that it's is. like his eyes, because it's kind of, it was actually a little bit dark. So his iris is completely open, Yeah. right? So it looks like just these big black eyes yeah. just staring into your soul. Like seriously, <laughs> like in the moment, in the moment taking that picture, like I was just like kind of, I was, I was almost emotionally enthralled myself, yeah. like taking the photo, like, and it was just like, holy cow, you know? Yep. And the same thing with the dog, you get a, get a photo with the dog, like staring you in the face. It looks like a, an owl out of, like if I were to place an owl in a horror movie, yeah, <laughs> it really kind of does because it's they're just all, all black. black, right? That, that's and wild. So, and the crazier thing about that is his back is actually to me. Yeah, that's really cool. So he, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening to this or most people listening to this that know anything about animals, like owls, can turn their heads in a full 360. Yeah, right. So his back is actually the way that he's sitting on that branch. His back is to me. So all that color is on the on his back. Like so, for a barred owl, the front of them is mostly like whitish gray, right? Looking color. Yeah, he's young. He doesn't have the tufts yet. Yeah, he doesn't have the full. He doesn't have the full head. He's mm-hmm. a, he's a juvenile for sure. Yeah. But 
he had his back to me and had turned his head all the way around. So that in yeah. of itself is like Great the photo. conjuring, right? And then like, yeah. So that resonates with people because of that. Yeah. Because it's like he's staring at you. Yeah. Right. The other thing I've noticed with birds and specifically birds of prey is that there were that movie uh, Horse Soldiers. You know, what yes. I'm when they were sitting in the cave and he's like, he's like, why do these men follow you? And he's like, because I'm the lieutenant. I'm in charge. And he's like, yeah, but why do they follow you? He's like, and he looks around the room and he points at this guy and he goes, killer eyes. And he looks at this guy and he goes, killer eyes. And he looks at him, the lieutenant, and he's like, you don't have killer eyes. Meaning he doesn't have that thing that you get when you have killer eyes. Yeah. And I love that in birds because you can look at, my wife is huge into birds and she's taught me all kinds of crazy things. And, and I've even got him now reporting uh, split, <laughs> split tails and stuff, just like things That's that awesome. you see them and you're supposed to report them so they, they can track them and know where they are. But like birds of prey. So I should be your second call so thing. I can come and take photos. Yeah, for sure. Noted. But the, the birds of prey being able to look at their eyes, that owl has nothing in his eyes other than kill. Yeah. That's it. That's all it is. And, and I love it. And that's why I was, ta- I was telling you earlier about these broad-shouldered hawks by our house. It's just every time I drive by, they're always sitting there. It's just where they hang out. It's a dead tree, which is ominous. Yeah. And then there's these two killers sitting there. And all they're doing is looking around, looking for the next thing to kill. That's it. And yep. I think bird photography, I used to think people were n- nerds. And they're like, oh, I like birds. And But now that I'm into it, <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, that is a savage animal. This owl, yeah. people people look at owls and they're like, oh, how pretty you. No, that like, is a killer. Like you guys need to understand that that day. bird is probably hungry as hell right yeah. now. Yeah, starving. and he looked at me thinking, "I wish you were a little smaller." Maybe exactly. <laughs> That's a hundred percent what it was. Yeah, because to him as a juvenile, like he sees me and he's trying to figure out how. You're like, also competition, right? And exactly, and an adult like is going to be like, you know what? That's a human. I'm not even. I'm not even going there. Right. You know, I've got other. Let me let me push further into the woods, and I'll find something there. Yeah. yeah. And this juvenile though, he's sizing me up, hundred yeah. percent, and I. I wanted to get closer to get a better shot, but I was like, you know what? A juvie is unpredictable. Yeah, leave him alone. And I'm and after that, and he will photo- fuck you up if you <laughs> exactly. <wants> to. <laughs> and that photograph, like, not even like thirty seconds after I took that photograph, he flew off and caught a mouse maybe hundred yards away. Yeah. So I mean, like you said, he's in kill mode. Yeah, and. You know, it, and that, you know, that kind of goes back to kind of bring, bring back to what we were talking about is, you know, working with brands or individuals, whether it's a personal project or commercial. And I don't want people to think that I, I'm only going to do commercial projects now. I want to do stuff that's also personal projects. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to only do stuff that people think when they think personal projects, it's like family, stuff like that. I want to do stuff with you. That's like personal to you. Like I want to go and take, I want to go with you when you go on a hunt for your gun dog's last hunt. Yeah. I want to capture that moment forever for you. I I was just, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about like hiring you to get some, some photography of me going on hunts with each of my kids. Exactly. And that's the other thing is like your kid's first hunt yeah. or your gun dog's last. Yeah. You know, like that's a super emotional thing for a lot of us gun dog guys is that oh, I can, I've, I've watched is, some video documentaries of guys taking their dogs on last hunts, man. And like, it's rough. It's rough. It's, 
Like uh, just thinking I mean, about you, it, it's getting me emotional. <laughs> well, you guys, everybody's I mean, eyes are red right I now. I mean, a few minutes ago talking about Deacon, like yeah. just thinking about the inevitable, like tears yeah. me up. Like you know, with Deacon, like I mean, and any dog, whether it's a gun dog retriever or whatever, yeah. like doesn't matter. Like they're so amazing, such amazing animals. Yeah, right. It's and been fourteen years with our our Doberman, fourteen years. Yeah. You know, and it's. When, when you know, like the last two years, you know that uh, like at any it's moment, coming. You know? it's coming. Yeah. But the problem is, there's always there's never you come home and they're dead. That you come home and they need to be put down, mm-hmm. and that's the worst part of it. And I couldn't imagine involving a dog into my passion of hunting, and you have this bond together, and then hunts for many years, you know, and then you know the end comes. It's I mean, yeah, that that'd be a yeah. beautiful thing to capture. Because like for me, like you know. And unfortunately, I wasn't as big into photography at the time. But, you know, with Deacon, my kids growing up, like, Deacon was three, four months old. And he would, he was always by Kennedy, my oldest daughter's, like, she was six months old when we got him. She, he was always by her high chair hanging out. And part of that was probably because of food she, she would throw down. The other part was, like, if she moved, like if she went to go to her pack and play, he was laying by her pack and play. If she went to this little bouncy toy, like she, he was, he was yeah. laying next to that bouncy toy. Yeah. When Layton was born, you know, he was two or three years old now. Like he did the same thing. She would climb over him. She would pinch his skin. She would grab at his jowls and like kiss his face and like, climb all over him and pull his ears and would be completely rough with him. Yeah. But like he took it. Yeah. And you know, that's why I'm saying like they, they grew up together and like, it's so emotional. And I know for a lot of people taking their dog on their last hunt or, you know, um, you know, my, my sister-in-law and, and her family, they, they put their Boston Terrier down last year. Um, he had some cancer issues and stuff and, was was really old even for a Boston, and so you know capturing like that last day stuff. Like yeah. I'm all for doing that stuff. Yeah. My 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 goal, whether it's for a personal project or a commercial project, is I want to tell freaking stories. Yeah, you yeah. know when I I went to Berkeley uh, College of Music online for a couple of years, and I did I did stuff with like songwriting and guitar and all that, and it's. You know, when I was talking about being a chronic creative, it, it, it all kind of ties together. Like, it's all about telling a freaking story. Right. Whether, and, and moving into, you know, the next five years. Right. right? Like. And that's what's important. At the end of the day, I just want to tell freaking stories. Yep. But I want to tell it in a way that's unique to you. Right. And, you know, all, you know, we were talking about, like, the small and mid-sized companies and how those companies can kind of break into the next level. Like, I don't want to say it like I'm a cheap version of getting you there. No, that's that's exactly how that's what we were for a long time. We were the cheap version. There's companies that can't afford a huge production. They can't afford a studio, but they can't afford for us to come and film some stuff. And that, and that's what got us off the ground. A lot of the filming we have done and it's, that has built this company was, was that, but see, there's a difference between cheap and being, there's a difference between being cheap and being economical. Affordable. You know, yeah, I don't mean cheap in a bad sense. I right. just mean. And so, like, to me, like, okay, cheap is not, okay, 
I'm undercutting those bigger companies. Like that's not my goal at all. Right. Like those companies are going and renting like thirty thousand yeah. dollar red cameras. You know, obviously not for thirty thousand dollars, but you know, a, a production that's more expensive. Those guys are a hundred percent worth it. Yeah. Those guys are great production companies. A lot of cost. They do great work. They have phenomenal creatives doing work. But for we them. can get pretty damn close with older Sony's. Right. But like, I'm not going and renting a red camera. I can do work with an A9 and sure. an A7S III, and my footprint is smaller because I'm more of a run-and-gun yeah. style company. Right. And my footprint is smaller. You're not paying for some of those extra costs. Yeah. And I'm only going to bring on a second shooter if I absolutely need it. I right. think that's right. a huge differ- difference and to so, make is that yeah. some of those companies are showing up with a trailer full oh, of yeah. gear. And yeah. you're showing up with a box and a backpack, maybe. Maybe yeah. even just a backpack. And you'll do just as good. And you, you know? can do... The cinematic and, aspect is a little different, but you, still, we yeah. have a cinematic shooting and there, style. And it may not be as huge of a production as what they would expect sure. from those companies, but it's going to be on brand for what they want, for where they're at, and going to help them propel to the next level. Yeah, And that's my goal. Because... If I try to go in and punch above my weight class, I'm going to fuck myself up. Yeah. Right? right. Like, and my thought is I want to do it while I enjoy it. It allows me to be creative. It allows me to work with these, these up and coming creative minded brands that are, you know, a small call company that is doing out of a shop in his backyard is not going to be able to afford a company that charges $60,000 for a huge production. You know, but he might be able to afford me for ten right. and make a, you know, a documentary about the why of his business right. and capture the emotion and the story and still. So you're still getting the nucleus of what you want to, you know, share with your yeah. audience, but you're able to do it at a cost that you can afford because I mean. You know, at a small business, we've all we're we're all small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. I mean, I can't go and buy an A nine right now, or not an A nine, an A one right now for sixty five hundred dollars because businesses, you know, you've got to build <laughs> and scale your business sure. to buy new equipment yes. and this, that, and the other. You know, and the same thing with those small businesses that they don't have a budget for a sixty seventy five thousand dollar production right. when you know this ten thousand dollar one will do what they need to do to get them to that next intermediate level to where then they can expand their company, scale their company and yeah. then hire that bigger company to go to the next level. And that's so. one of the things for us is a lot of the stuff that we've been doing, we've been helping small charities or companies grow and, and trying to cover some stuff. And the, the problem that you'll face starting out is that a lot of these small companies don't know what production costs. Yep. The average cost is between $300 and $500 per production minute. So a five-minute yeah. video, you know, it's thousands of dollars. But we obviously don't charge that. We try to help people, you know. And so now we're exactly. getting to the point that we just don't have the time, especially yeah. now that we're transitioning into this video platform and a lot of stuff is going to be focused on us and our company and the things that we are involved in. Um, and so we, we just don't have the time to do a lot of this stuff. So we're not going to feed you, but we're going to help you eat a meal every once in a while right. through some of the stuff. And, and, uh, and I've talked to them and, and everybody's excited and looking forward to it, but you know, it's, it's proof of product. You got to be able to. Exactly. Of course. But yeah. But so to wrap it up, we got to, re- I got to tell you why we got to close early. <laughs> it's 
because the conversation is great. And we'll do this again, obviously, because you're yeah, we'll, part of the yeah. family now. But um, today we got here this morning and we were loading up and we, so the hunt club is on a road that is not well-traveled. There's just not a lot of people on it. And a truck was doing a U-turn in the middle of the road and pulled into the hunt club, which is private property. And so right then my radar things like sketched out. So in South Carolina, they only have real pl- rear plates. They don't have fronts. So the guy never, I never got a chance to see his plate and that's why I didn't get the number. But anyway, as he's sitting there, we're pulling out and he kept just looking funny and, and we were kind of sketched out. So Gus was like, we better shut the gate. You know, we don't want this guy coming in here. So he got out and what did he ask you? Well, I asked him, I was like, can I, can I help you with something? And he's like, he, he mumbling on about something about a, uh, some sort of running dogs or running dogs right? and, a, and a fox pen and this, that, and the other. Which and, there is none of that here. You know, in retrospect, looking back on it, at the mo- in, in the moment, we were like, what is he talking about? That's strange. Well, at the moment, the first thing that came to mind was all the people that have stopped and come on our property looking for the dogs that they've run yeah, during deer right. hunting. Yep. And then he's one of these people who have somehow mixed up our piece of property with someone else's in terms of being a dog property. Right. So I said, you know, we hunt, but this is, we don't deal with dogs out here. Like this is not, this is private property. It's private property, man. We don't like your kind around here. And so uh, just to be nice about it, he had meth mouth. I did notice. That's a nice way to put it. I saw it to you. Long story short, he, he he left. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to summarize. I want to give the whole experience. Okay. So he he We're all about experience. He backed today. out of the driveway here and, and went on down the road. We closed Gus closed the gate and we went across the street to the other gate that goes into the hunting property. And as we get out, we look over and there's a um, side by side sitting parked in the woods, which is odd, you know. And my first immediate thought was, dun, dun, dun. we have had people steal side by sides here before, so I thought maybe that's a semi smart place to park it. People wouldn't see it. It's camouflage. Blah blah. blah. Whatever. So we went out and filmed a bunch of stuff and we came back and Gus jumped off the truck and we came in. I took a shower and stuff and he comes back in here and, and, and tell me what happened when you got out of the truck. Well, I got out to go for a walk. Uh, to, I was just going to walk from where the, where you dropped off of the truck just so you didn't have to stop again to pick up my uh, a pair of shoes and, and some stuff that were out at the picnic table. And I just thought it was weird. Like I looked over and noticed that I noticed two things. I noticed that the container for for the individual that owns that ATV was wide open. Now, for those that are that are asking, well, why didn't you notice anything when you drove out? It's not uncommon to come here and there be a, one of the con- shipping containers open and somebody else be out on the property doing yeah. stuff. So I saw a container open and it didn't even really register in my mind. I just mind. figured somebody was out here. And I honestly didn't even notice it at all until we got back. And I noticed the fact that not only was... N- this individual's ATV still kind of off into the woods across the street, but now this container's open, and then there was a bag off to the side. It was really the bag that drew my attention. So there's a there's a bag I didn't tell you about on the other side of the dun dun dun. There's a bag yeah. on the other side of the tractor. It's a it's a tennis bag, a head the company head yeah tennis bag, looked bright, and I think it was used. I think whoever so. As I was looking around, I noticed that the the bolt, the the lock that is used for those shipping containers had been cut off. Yeah. Someone used an angle grinder to cut through this thing, and I think they used that bag to carry tools in and left it there. 
because the tools aren't there, but the bag is still there. And I can't imagine any reason. None of us are tennis players. Anyone at this <laughs> at this hunk club would bring a fucking tennis bag out yeah. here for anything. Why the fuck um, not? Like you guys seem like well, you don't great know the people here. Guys. Do I? We we are the calmest of the rednecks in this club. In this club. <laughs> um, so long story short, it it looked very much like someone. Um, Somebody broke in or, you know, came in, cut the lock off, took that ATV somehow, got it out into the woods across the street because we can't find the key. Um, and we didn't look for wires, which is what we're going to do now. Yeah, but we, we, we've we've since called the owner and, and we're working on he's probably coming out and take a yeah, look. And but we're about we'll to call the out. cops and have the cops come check it out. It's uh well, I'm pretty sure he's already called. Um, we're just kind of waiting to see what happens. But, uh, but it's very interesting. It's um, he didn't move it there, so someone did, and we've had stuff stolen here before. Actually, a guy we've had on the podcast before, Matt Livingston, he um, he had bought a brand new, beautiful Polaris four four seater side by side, loan on it and everything, and it wasn't here two months, and somebody cut a shipping container and stole it. Jesus. And never found it. It's gone. It's wow. uh, I mean, somebody's got it on their property, right? But. So this is definitely we we caught them in the act and and I hate that I didn't get the license plate but now that I realize that he backed out I never had a chance to see it could be unrelated but I highly doubt it I don't think I think that guy had something to do with it but so yeah so that's what we're gonna go do but uh, yeah so Times. Grid Square Media on Instagram yep you have Grid Facebook Me- yep Facebook Grid Square Media on Facebook GridSquareMedia.com. dot com and go on there and give him some feedback. Go on there and look at his website and be like, this is what I like or don't like it. And yeah. shoot him a message and let him know because we're trying to build this thing. So where it looks, you know, the, the goal that he has in mind, you yeah, know, absolutely. So. cause like, you know, we're talking about over the next five years, like yeah. my goal is to be able to work with a little bit of everybody. My goal is to really want to work with outdoor brands. But if you have a personal project, like just reach out to me. Yeah. Like we can, and we can discuss it. it and go from there. Like yeah. there's, Multiple places on my website that you can either send me an email or you can even book a 30 or 60 minute session with me to just talk about your project. It's free. Does it cost you anything? Like we can just chat about what you want to do. And you cool. also do product photos. So if you, Correct. if you are in South Carolina and you want some product photos, well, it doesn't matter. Do you it. can be outside of South Carolina. That's what I mean. If you're like, not here, yeah. it, like, yeah, I'm here. I don't if you, limit if you will location. ship me the product, I will be happy to take it um, in the, the space that you guys are building, like we're, you know, we've yep. talked about like putting um, a little bit of yeah, uh, photo space, photos, a yep. small little studio space. And Absolutely. so I'm happy to work with you guys to, you know, to rent that space out to, to do those photos. So if you're outside of the, you know, the South Carolina area, like we can still work with you. Like just shoot me an email. We can discuss what you want to do and go from there. But, um, you know, that's, that's where I want to go is I want to just tell people stories. And over the next five years, my goal is to be able to transition from going to where I'm working, doing GIS stuff, which I am, I do love and I'm passionate about, sure. but I want to be able to do this full time and yeah. I'll still contract and do GIS work for people. Sure. Um, but yeah. supplemental. Exactly. That's where we are. But my goal is I would like to go full time. I want to be able to do this for people all the time. And, you know, whether it's product photos from anywhere in the country that they ship me stuff to take pictures of and, yeah. or it's, you know, you know, you want me to come out and video your hunt with your kids. You know, yep. it doesn't matter. Like just send me a message. We can talk about it and we'll go from there. Oh yeah, man. Well, thanks for uh, joining us on here. Thanks for Absolutely. helping us thanks out for today. Having we still got some more work to do. Anytime. Uh, but yeah, that concludes this episode and we appreciate everybody tuning in. 
And we uh, have a lot of big stuff coming. Yeah. Probably in the next two weeks, you'll be uh, learning about it. And then, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We got some travel coming up, and you'll start to hear some of those Bottle Kill episodes where we weren't able to get together. We want to continue to supply that weekly podcast. So. Boom. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Until next time. We out. Bye. Bye.